What's going on guys? Welcome back to Free Coffee. Today is one of the craziest pods I have ever done. Um, so I sat down with three guys today. Uh, Jose Gomez, Kyle Fisk, and Dan Taglamante, all with their own individual perspective and opinions and backgrounds around the environment, around nature, around philosophy, and around business. And we had this really incredible discussion on on the environment and on a lot of different topics such as veganism, vegetarianism, um, consumerism, minimalism, um, what businesses can do, what consumers can do, all this sort of stuff resolving or revolving around around nature. And it was really cool. I felt like I was sitting and listening to a podcast because these guys really just took it away. And it was it was what I was hoping for because it was a lot of fun and it was really cool to sit down and whether you agree or disagree with with everything or anything that these guys say, there's always value in getting another perspective. And that was my thought when I wanted to sit down and talk with people about the environment and about all these different topics that we talked about in the podcast. It, it was kind of weird. Like I said, I sat and I just, I, I obviously talked, I tried to moderate, but I just listened and I felt like I was listening to a live podcast. It was so, it was really cool. And I hope you guys love it as much as I do. Um, this was a lot of fun. I was very nervous in the beginning and I'm sure you'll hear me mess up a lot of words for like the first 30 minutes until we really catch our vibe. But um, I'd never done anything like this. And as a creator, I just want you guys to know it was, it was tough. It was not something that I'm used to. It was not something that um, I'm good at as far as I'm not a natural at moderating a discussion between four people. Um, and it was something that was so much fun. It put me really outside my comfort zone because it's a topic that I'm not well versed in. Um, I'm not formally educated in this area at all. Um, I'm not even, you know, I'm barely educated in this topic at all, let alone formally. So it was a lot of fun. I gave my input on things like minimalism and uh, consumerism that I could. But I really stayed out of the discussions about veganism and vegetarianism um, as I'm not well educated. I just sort of played devil's advocate and I asked questions and I tried to provoke responses. So I hope you guys really enjoy this. These guys were awesome. Thank you again to all three of them for coming out and doing this. This is also the longest podcast I have ever recorded. I think with the intro, this is going to be like two and a half hours long. So I hope you guys are ready. I hope you guys are strapped in. Um, this was a lot of fun, and I hope you guys enjoy it. So without further ado, welcome to Free Coffee episode number, I don't know. Um, but I hope you guys enjoy. guys welcome back to free coffee today is something completely different completely different something i've never done before and there are four people sitting in my office right now we got jose gomez kyle fisk dan taglamante um and each one of you guys brings your own set of um skill sets knowledge and interests into this discussion and this discussion is going to be around environmentalist envi environmentalism and philosophy and then later, Dan, we're going to talk about business and whatnot. Um, so I'm really excited about this. Thank you guys for, for being here. Appreciate it. Thanks for having us. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. Thank Thanks, Rob. Yep. Thank um, so 
here's how this pod came about. Um, Jose, you post a lot on your stories and on Instagram uh, just about the environment, about what you're doing at school, yep. and we'll get into that in a little bit. But um, so I hit you up to do an environmental pod, you know, a pod talking about the environment, and then you mentioned that you study philosophy a little bit. You know, you you like to sort of dabble in that sort of stuff. So I instantly thought about Kyle. Kyle, I invited you on because I knew that not only are you a big philosopher, but you are also big into the environment, you know, keeping the environment clean and, and all that sort of stuff. You've done trash cleanups and you're just a green person. Vegan as well, correct? Correct. Well, vegetarian more so. Okay, vegetarian. Because I'll go vegan for a little bit and then every now and then I'll get into, I guess I can't label myself vegan, but I'll eat. Mm-hmm. I'll, tr- I'll strive to be vegan. Okay. And then every now and then I'll have dairy just Perfect. to supplement. All right. And you're also a vegetarian, correct? Yeah. Okay, cool. And then, Dan, I hit you up because you, with Sea Culture, Sea Culture is your apparel line, yeah. um, you are making moves towards more sustainable fabrics, um, more stuff manufactured in America as you can, um, and all that sort of stuff. And I wanted to give for the people that listen to this who may not be interested in the just like ideas of this stuff, right, that may be able to pull some ideas from you on how to implement it in business. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. Cool. Good. This is awesome. Um, so I want to start by giving some context, right, to your guys' backgrounds, your guys' interests, and all that sort of stuff. And I'm hoping that we can just have a roundtable discussion and have some fun with this. I think it's going to be good, and I hope we can provide some value for the listener. Is it good? Mm-hmm. Sweet. So, Jose, can you tell us where you're at right now? as far as school, what you're studying, um, and go from there. So I, I go to Niagara University, which is a, a liberal arts school, and I'm actually in my junior year heading into my spring semester. And um, for my school, there are requirements that are besides our general uh, major classes that we have to take. So what I have had to take in my college career so far is um, ethics, and uh, an intro to philosophy class, uh, also other religions, and they've all been super interesting. But one of the most interesting classes that I've taken uh, was last semester, and it was called Critical Animal Studies. Uh, It was a class that really uh, engaged my learning of ethics and also combined it with the animal industry and how we view animals as a whole in our society. So that class really moved me. Uh, my professor, Professor Pickering, is it's actually funny because he's actually on the FBI watch list oh because God. earlier in his uh, earlier when he was young, he um, had a few incidents because he was a part of some animal liberation groups where, as you guys know, you can get in trouble for doing some of the stuff that they do, like protesting. Um, and usually, what they do is. Um, they let some animals free from uh, farms. So that could even get you up to a couple years in jail. So he did some of that stuff and he was actually till this day on an FBI watch list and people watch his emails and people still watch his emails from the school and everything. So he, he really moved me in a way where he questioned my morals and questioned my integrity when it came to Um, animals. So the first thing he really asked was, what is the difference between 
killing a dog and what's the difference between killing a pig? The difference is if you kill a dog as it's a pet, it's seen as a pet in our societies. You go to jail, you're a psychopath and everyone looks at you like, you know, like you're crazy. But the, the difference is with a pig, if you kill, if you save a pig from getting killed, you can actually go to jail. And, and if you kill a pig, no one looks at it any other way. It's the same thing. So he went deeper into that and asked why. Why is it different when the do a dog and a pig both have the same um, like nervous system? So the difference really is, is that, and I've seen that in our society, we choose different kinds of animals that we want to protect and we want to give some kind of level of rights to and we kind of shy away and ignore other animals which is I feel like something that is um, very wrong and very very uninformed for all of us to not uh, know the proper education to know that there really is no difference between a dog or a pig when it comes to what it can feel since both a dog and a pig both have the same nervous system that's actually similar to humans so they can both suffer and the question really that i it was like one of the questions that i held and um justified for my eating of meat was um that you know like it's normal for us to eat meat because it's part of nature you know it's we're we're in the food cycle where really if anything we're an exception to the food cycle we can morally reflect animals can't morally reflect they don't have decisions when they're out in the wild so it's either you eat or you get eaten or you starve so for us we have the ability to morally reflect and because we have the ability to morally reflect we should be able to do the right thing and choose the right thing. And that's something animals can't do when they're out in the wild. So what really um, shocks me and fascinates me is that we have the ability to morally reflect. So we should choose not to take a life. You know what I mean? It doesn't matter if it's, if it's a human life or it's an animal life. It's a life at the end. And nothing really can justify suffering at the end of the day. And uh, my professor brought up this really popular philosopher called Jeremy Bentham. And he, he actually makes a really interesting statement. And he says, um, it's not whether an animal can talk. It's not whether an animal can um, reason. It's not, that's not what qualifies if it should have any consideration from humans. It's a really about if they can suffer because... If anything, I don't. I can't really find anything that can justify suffering of any living being, and that's what really moved me, and made me make my decision towards uh, becoming a vegetarian. And in the future, I'm thriving to become a vegan, just because I was a big uh, consumer of meat back then. So, if I become straight vegan. I feel like the changes are very drastic. So in order to have a smoother transition, I'm planning to first become vegetarian, 
and uh, first become vegan. But hey, if you can become vegan, all straightforward and stick to it, like all props to you. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Are you are you like a hundred percent vegetarian? Like, yet when's the last time you had like meat? I haven't had meat since November fourth, and that's yeah. the day I actually decided to become vegetarian. But it's been funny because. Every time I went to these classes over the semester, um, my professor would show me these oh, these awful videos of the animal industry, and not just the not just the food industry, but um, ex- the experiments they do on them, the the way they use them for entertainment, um, and the way they treat them when they want their fur, their skin for um, products like for coats or even like anything really with a leather right but it was awful and like the first couple times I went I left and I'm like oh my god okay I need to become vegetarian and then the next day I would find myself eating chick like chicken nuggets or something like that and then it, it really brought came down to this one day in class where uh, this um, short film was shown to us by uh, the narrator was actually draw King Phoenix Okay. And uh, the the short film was called Earthlings, and it was I think almost two hours full of just exposing the um, corporations that do science experiments on these animals and um, exposing the food industry, exposing the entertainment industry, as in just made it very very immoral in the ways that were they were treating them, and it's it's awful because. We don't see this. All of this stuff is hidden from us. There's there's no more longer any friendly farms that the cows get to um, get to wander off and graze <laughs> wherever they like. That doesn't exist anymore. What exists is these things called KFOs, where um, or KFOs, and it stands for Concentrated Animal Facility Operations. And what these things do is they basically just fit all these animals as much as they can in these buildings that have no windows in them or anything. And they're usually secluded. Um, There's a lot in North Carolina. There's a lot in Texas. And uh, it's really awful because um, all this stuff is really hidden from us. And for me, I'm not really a, a big skeptic, but it's for me, I see is that like the government doesn't really want us to see this stuff just because it's so horrible. And if they did see it, if they did show it to us, I feel like more people would change the way that they eat, you know? Yeah, awesome. So, Kyle, <laughs> I'm up? sure you got thoughts about that, but <clears throat> just to give some context, can you give us a little bit more of your background with this sort of interest in, in, in philosophy and in environmentalism? Okay, yeah. I can just give you a brief background of like what I'm doing right now yeah. and kind of delve into it. Uh, so, what's up, everyone? My name's Kyle Fisk. Uh, I work currently uh, at Helio Health. I'm a mental health RN, and I do outpatient clinic work there. It's a treatment center for mental health and substance abuse disorder. Uh, So that's my full-time job. And then when I'm not working there, I work on a lifestyle brand that my friend Andy Padula and I created about three years ago, and it's called Boho Hobo. It's a lifestyle brand uh, that is, our catchphrase for it is, we're on a journey to understand the human experience. And how we're able to do that is through multimedia production. Uh, we have a podcast called Bindalism, a philosophy to a self-sufficient lifestyle. 
and um, through that we're able to support our beliefs um, such as mental health and wellness, um, outdoor recreation, environmental conservation, and local music and arts. So on our days we're usually collaborating with other local artists, uh, entrepreneurs, creatives uh, in the Syracuse community and we're looking to help raise awareness through that um, about mental health, personal development, um, self-growth, and also at the same time trying to be environmentally conscious and supporting the vegan lifestyle. Andy, he's not vegan. Um, me, I'm striving to be vegan and currently I guess you would call me a vegetarian. Uh, I'm still pretty new in the process of transitioning my lifestyle towards that. Uh, I started back in September, um, so I haven't eaten meat in like three months now. Um, every now and then I'll have dairy just because I'll be in situations where I'll have to have dairy. Um, if I'm like on the road or doing events, tabling, that kind of thing. Um, so yeah, through this we're looking to create collaboration uh, with other local entrepreneurs, creatives, and I think originally what pushed me into this direction of Boho Hobo in general was because I've always been interested in philosophy and psychology. Um, I'm a mental health nurse. Uh, this is what I study in my spare time as well. And what I'm looking, I think the most value that I get out of psychology and philosophy is trying to understand human behavior and why we do the things that we do and what creates meaning and value in life and what drives people towards a sense of purpose in their life to want to do certain things, such as behavior change. Like for instance, I work in a substance abuse clinic. Why does someone want to stop smoking cigarettes? Why does someone want to become vegan? And I think it's through the understanding of philosophy where we're able to, in a way, kind of transcend all of like the day-to-day -day struggles and to be able to push towards the behavior change of choice. So what inspired you to make the switch over to a vegetarian and m more and more get closer to a vegan lifestyle? I want to say it's for environmental reasons, but ultimately I think it's self-serving. It's I want to become healthier. Okay. Um, so just being straight up honest about that. Yeah. Um, and then after I initially made the change for the health reasons, I started reading up more into it and I started to be like, oh, well, why not? Because there's so much other things, other reasons why you should be vegan. Like when I first started, I was like, I could be vegetarian, vegan, uh, or I could eat a traditional diet, which I've been accustomed to for my whole life. And through the traditional diet, it's like I'm eating meat, um, the methane, air and into the air that's bad for the environment um, it's only self-serving in that sense where I'm just eating meat for the taste um, it's supporting the meat industry like you were talking about and then on the flip side you have vegetarian vegan which is striving towards environmental conservation um, you can find ways of being creative and making it tasty so it is indulgent um, so it's like weighing the two sides I have this one side with traditional diet where it's not helping the world at large and it's only serving me. And then on the other side with vegan vegetarian, it's helping the world at large. It's also helping my body 
um, becoming healthier, and I can also make it tasty. What um what health benefits do you see from being <clears throat> vegan vegetarian? What I mean inflammation. So, so inflammation. Okay. Cholesterol with meats, it's and please speak over the, over years of eating that you get buildup of cholesterol. Uh, me coming from a health background, um, you get a lot of potential problems down the line if you're creating a lot of that inflammation from eating meat mm-hmm. and dairy all the time, okay. um, which could lead to heart disease later on, possibility of stroke. So let me ask you this, both of you. Can't you eat a diet with meat that is anti-inflammatory? Or no, is it is meat probably, is meat the cause in your guys' opinion? Of inflammation? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, so for for me, so you were talking about inflammation, right? So eating meat, what you're eating is, it's, it's not anymore what you think it is, just because cows and pigs and chickens are all being genetically modified now. So they're not all what they used to be. Cows are, cows are genetically modified in order to have uh, more so they can yield more meat per cow. Uh, same with pigs and same with chickens. And it's it's really awful what the meat industry does to these animals is that they make them have so much, they make them eat so much so they can get so much fat on their body that sometimes they can't even stand up. Or sometimes even if they can't stand up, they're forklift in order to uh, get slaughtered somewhere so honestly for me in in order to have a diet that's not as inflammatory for me i would just i would look at other other possibilities that you could eat and other possibilities that you can eat are like chickpeas they have so much protein yuca is another is another uh, it's actually a root of a plant that has a lot of protein as well lentils um, quinoa um, all these other foods have even more protein than meat and that's when I realized that this isn't as hard as everyone makes it to be you know what I mean I really have no judgment on what other people are doing and I think that's me coming from a different perspective of doing it for the health reasons for myself and like the way I see it is I have to first uh, serve myself before I can serve others. If I'm not mentally stable, I can't go out and help other people volunteering and doing that kind of stuff. And ultimately, I understand behavior change and you can't really force anyone to change. Yeah. Uh, you can educate them, you can listen and understand them, but ultimately, you gotta make the change on your own. And let me say, I think it's really cool and I'm really excited that this is working out this way because you two are coming to the same conclusion from completely different backgrounds, right? And you ended up at the same place, but for different reasons. And to be able to talk about those different reasons and see both of those is really incredible and cool. And we're gonna cover all that sort of stuff. And it, I don't know, I really like it. So in my opinion, do you guys think you can past the humanitarian part of, you know, the meat industry and the problems with the meat industry if you are raising your own animals, if you're, oh, if you have like a chicken, you know, and if you're going out and hunting deer and all this sort of stuff, do you think you get past those problems? My family actually owns chickens, um, so we don't slaughter them, but we use their eggs 
Oh, interesting. Um, so my mom, dad, sister, they take the eggs and eat them. Me, I don't at this point, just because I've made the ch- behavior change. Um, it's more ethical, in my opinion, this personal belief, just because you know where it's coming from. Whereas when you are buying stuff off the shelf at Wegmans or Walmart, you're buying into an industry that you're giving them money into something that you don't have full consciousness or understanding of what is going on behind closed doors. Mm -hmm. And just by giving them money, you know. Yeah. So I guess I'm playing devil's advocate here. Mm -hmm. What do you think about that? So when you're, okay, so when you're raising your own animals, um, it's different because the whole idea behind, well, at least why I decided to become a vegetarian is mainly due to the suffering of the animals. If they're not suffering, then... Mm -hmm what you're doing is technically not wrong where it actually starts to become wrong is when you don't have any consideration towards the animals that you are um taking care of when you um impregnate these animals without consideration when you take their milk and and you start to milk them until they can barely stand up when you um kill them make them suffer in techniques where they don't die automatically you know what i mean they they still even are alive for some portion of their suffering is unethical to me and as long as you're not making them suffer that is where i really draw the line because like i said before nothing really justifies suffering at all and most of people's arguments are that well oh they're not as smart as me as as smart as me they can't reason like me they're not as intelligent as me so mm-hmm. I can use them for my own benefit where that's really not a strong argument because there's people who are mentally disabled and they can't reason as much as us infants can't reason as much as us so it's like if you're basing it off an intelligence uh, from an uh, an intelligence kind of way then you really don't have an argument because that means that we could do with we, we could do with what we please with mentally disabled people, and I don't think anyone would agree to that, you know? So it's like suffering, my main point is that suffering is in no one's consideration, in no one's uh, um, interest. Suffering is nothing that anyone wants to go through. So for me, at least, we should try to minimize suffering and evil in this world. So, so you, yeah. I, I guess my question would be, what exactly do you define as suffering? So suffering is, if, say you kick a rock down the street, right, you don't really think anything of it because that rock doesn't have any interests, it doesn't have um, really anything because it can't feel and it can't think, right? Anything that can feel has a interest in not suffering because that is something that as... I feel like we can all agree with is something painful and is something that would no one what want to, no one would want to go through suffering. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So something. So nothing is really in the interest of anyone to go through suffering. So for me, suffering involves when um, you can feel pain, when um, you have a sense of. Um, you're kind of scared in a situation, you're being held against your will. That's really what I think of suffering as. And in order to minimize the suffering in our world, 
we have to shy away from our kind of alpha male um, instincts that we have. Isn't it it just kind of inevitable, though? Or inevitable of what? Isn't suffering? Aren't these animals going to suffer anyway? How would they suffer anyways, though? Just dying naturally? I mean, yeah, but I'm I'm very uneducated. So please. So dying naturally is a natural cause. So if you're if you're suffering, there's there's really a big portion to it because it comes to the question where if you're suffering should someone put you out of your misery or is that a good thing or a bad thing but if you die on your own that's just a natural cause so what about these animals that get hunted these animals that get hunted it's it's actually funny because i read this in uh on a book called uh animal liberation by peter singer and we don't have to kill animals in order to control their populations um each animal has their a carrying capacity especially deer and we could even um, sterilize some of these deer so they don't po- so they don't populate as much. But instead, we choose to hunt them and we choose to kill them, where we don't really have to do that. There's other ways. And what really um, like blows my mind, like I said again, is that we're so intelligent now, but we're not acting like it. We have other ways to obtain food. We have other ways, we have advanced technologies in order to control populations like deer, but we are still sticking to our barbaric ways that we used to be, that we used to stick to back then. You know what I mean? So I feel like we should, as a society, be moving forward and realize what's wrong and realize what's right. And in my hope is that we push towards what's right. So, and what I was asking about was animals that get hunted by other animals. So, prey, right? They suffer. Yeah. How is that different than... So, what's different is that, like I said earlier, um, when you're an animal and you're out in the wild, you have no other choice. You have no other choice but to either hunt and get food or starve. We are an exception to that natural order because we can actually morally reflect and since we can morally reflect and animals can't really morally reflect because they have no other way of living they have to they have to feed on uh, animals they have to get their food or else they won't live for us we have options it's like we can either like tomorrow I can wake up and be like okay do I want to eat this steak or do I want to eat these beans and do I want to eat this rice? It's not like we're all forced to eat meat, you know what I mean? There's just this concept where if you don't eat meat, you, you're you not eating a full proper meal where it's like you can eat other things that can make up for that meat that you're not eating. And to answer your question is since we have the ability to morally reflect and see what's right and what's wrong, we should, to, we should choose to do what's right, and we should choose to minimize suffering in this world since there is already a lot of suffering. So for me, it's, it's, it's really, it really fascinates me how we yet continue to do what is wrong and we continue to not have an interest in the life of these other animals just in order to satisfy our desires of wanting to eat a chicken wing or wanting to eat a burger where it's a lot more deeper than just that 
I'm just going to piggyback oh, off okay. of that, and I'm going to play devil's advocate just for philosophical discourse. Mm-hmm. But I'm coming from background of studying yoga, um, yoga philosophy, and one of the main things when you first go through the eight rungs, which is like the path towards enlightenment, is ahimsa, which means do no harm. And so the reason why I first talked about how I was doing it for myself and not trying to force other people is that I find, especially being on the forefront of working with behavior change firsthand, is that when you try to force another person, you could be, when you try to force another person to change, to make a behavior change, you could potentially be doing them harm. And so that's why I always try to have in, introspection, self-reflect, to make sure like I check myself basically before I wreck myself kind of thing. Um, so for philosophical discourse, and why I asked you how do you define suffering, is that by making the change towards vegan, and let, let's say the government at large told everyone that they now have to eat this certain way, would that create more humanitarian suffering for the sake of minimizing suffering in the animals? So, um, I read this, I actually saw this other short film uh, by this one kid that was on Vimeo or something? Vimeo. Vimeo, yeah. Yeah. And it was really cool because he did, he was in this this high school kid and he um, did this really low budget project. Was his name Jake Brown? No, <laughs> but so he did this pro- did, did, did this uh, little short film and he interviewed one of, uh, he interviewed actually a, um, di- a nutritionist. He interviewed a nutritionist and he has seen, he shared his experience, how he's seen people who are vegan and have had regular natural births and as he called it, vegan babies. So like, it's like, it's not like you need meat in order to actually do all the stuff that we regularly do, which is a really big misconception in our society where if you don't eat meat, then you're not going to be healthy or you're not going to have, uh, you're going to be more tired. You're not going to have, you're going to be, you're not going to be as strong. That's a really big thing since I feel like all of us sure. have brought up since we were little. Our mom always told us, oh, you got to eat meat in order to become big and strong. Think about the milk ads we all grew up around, Exa- right? Yeah, exactly. When that's actually not true at all. Like we can still supplement different kinds of things. And going off of your question is if the government does change is it's listen, the government is going to do what the people are going to want to do and right now there's a big um there's a really big um movement towards eating meat and farms that movement towards eating meat yeah it's like Mm -hmm. till this day till this day there's still a lot of movement towards people wanting to eat meat there's been a really nice change as you can see of more people becoming vegan more people becoming vegetarian but until this day, as long as most people, I think at least an average American has at least meat four out of the seven days of the week. If we keep going at that pace, the government is still going to fund these farms in order to make meat because it's in the demand of the people. So the government is going to do whatever we basically want to do because 
the demand right now is in order for us to eat meat. So I don't know if you guys know, but you guys know how milk is like a dollar fifty and eggs are like two bucks or whatever. Mm-hmm. Not those even like seventy cents. Yeah, <laughs> those prices are not reasonable at all. Like the amount of money that actually goes into making milk, the amount of money that actually goes into making eggs, is way more than what they're actually putting the price. But since it's in demand of the people, the government is funding these different kinds of farms and giving them money, and actually in a sense wasting our money and wasting our resources that we have in order to make these products to satisfy the people. But if you see a change in which I actually saw in, I'm trying to remember, I think it was in the beginning of November, where Dean Foods Company, uh, the largest um, producer of milk for our whole country, actually filed for bankruptcy. And they filed for bankruptcy because people are starting to move into the direction of almond milk. People are starting to do soy milk. People aren't drinking as much dairy milk anymore and as you can see they filed for bankruptcy so it's going to change the demand of people is going to move different companies and make the government fund for the companies that the people okay. want so when do you oh i got a question when do you think um there's going to be a shift where like the majority of the population is going to be either vegan or vegetarian so this is this is the harder part so when you invest your money in vegan products, vegetarian products, um, a lot of these companies that are exploiting animals, they actually own, are starting right. to own some of these vegan like, and vegetarian. Is it Monsanto or Tyson? Doesn't someone do like the Beyond Meat stuff? Yeah. So um, when, you're, when you're actually thinking you're investing in these vegan and these vegetarian right. products, your money is actually trickling up to the businesses, the larger businesses that own uh the other businesses that um maybe uh make eggs or um make hot dogs or sausages so like it's like they're only these companies are only investing in these vegan and vegetarian products because that's where the money's going right mm-hmm. so in order for us to actually change the whole um for us in order to change the whole like rep- yeah exactly the retrospective we have to um, change our diet in a way where we start to consume less meat, we start to consume less milk, and as you can see, the companies are going to start actually dropping the the ones that produce a lot of meat, the ones that produce a lot of eggs, a lot of milk, and all the other vegan and vegetarian industries are actually going to start becoming more popular, and since they're more popular, the government is going to fund more money into them. So, yeah. here, I got a I got a couple questions, okay? Um, first of all, I don't personally believe that the government should tell anyone how to consume anything. Mm-hmm. And you did mention the government switching to push or, you know, stop these these farms. Is there a large-scale way, because you're not, and I'm going to say something, you're not going to switch everyone over to vegetarian or veganism, correct? It's just not it's not reasonable to say that, right? So is there a way in your guys' mind for, and there's there's a lot of stuff to unpack here, but is there a way to farm these animals ethically for these people that are going to consume meat? 
or is there not an answer in in meat consumption? I don't, yeah, mm-hmm. I don't think there is like a way. Like how, like the meat industry is now, it's just a ton of buildings with just a ton of animals. I don't think you can like kind of go back on that. Everything, you know? everything they're doing is unethical. Right. They're they're taking away the offspring of these animals. If anyone did that to human, they would go to yeah. jail, you know? Like, it would, and, and, and I'm probably going to have some responses that are like, oh, how are you comparing humans to animals? You know what I mean? Like, they're totally two different things. We're smarter, blah, blah, blah. Like, we're the apex predators. But it's it comes to the, it really, for me, it comes to the point where why make, why introduce suffering into this world where you don't have to? do that mm-hmm. let me let me ask this too you said that the government is subsidizing these egg milk meat productions do you have any way to is that a true like there's government money going to these companies yeah yeah so there is actually there is government money going into these companies just because most of these farms are government run and government property so there's actually an agribusiness there's it's funny because they recruit all these different kinds of farmers and they go through farming school and and everything and because let me tell you something Rob these farms these uh CAFOs they're not profitable they're not they're making zero profit they're not making CAFOs are in the concentrated animal facilities or the other uh they're the other where they um, operations animals. where they pack all the animals and and, it, and another really bad thing that includes the environment is that you got to put the waste somewhere man you know what i mean like you got to find somewhere you you know how much waste these animals are producing because you're feeding them non-stop you got to put the waste something you got to put the waste somewhere so like a really bad thing that they do is they collect all the waste from the pigs and they dig this really big hole on the ground and then they put all the waste on there and they cover like a tarp over it. And that's landfill. Yeah, and that's really bad for the environment because if there's runoff the, yeah. if there's runoff or there's erosion, that waste could potentially get into uh, communities and, and their the water. They're ingesting well, and all that. Let me too, ask yeah. you this. How is that different than farmers that are using, you know, manure as as like nutrients for plants? So if you use the thing is i would like to think that you could do that but there's so much waste like in actually making manure is such a it's such a like is a process where you have to put a lot of effort into it where like it's easier for these farmers to just dump all of these all of this fecal matter coming from the pigs into a pit and them actually going through the process of uh, making it into actual manure so they're just going to do that and it's really bad because what happens when floods happen you know what happens when there's really big uh thunderstorms and there's and, and like say a lake overflows you know mm-hmm. like the water is going to get into all of that waste and it's going to move it around and it can move it around to different communities and it could harm people in uh, what they're drinking. So it's, it's, it's like really bad and it's like not as well thought out, I feel like, as it should be. Well, it seems like if that is the fact, it seems like the thought is just get rid of it, right? Yeah. I mean, that's it, right? 
Get rid of what exactly? The waste. Just, oh, okay. just get rid of it as fast and as easily as you can, right? That if if what you're saying is true, that is probably just all the thought that goes into it. Right? Yeah, like, not create it in the first place. I think it's what right. you're kind of getting at. I wonder, like, if they're using waste, like manure, from those animals that they um, that are you know in those what are they called? Cafos. Cafos. Like to plant to use as like agriculture like make and like grow plants out of so like think about you also gotta you also gotta you also gotta know that there's at least 1500 to 2000 pigs in each of these so you gotta account for every single one of their wastes yeah so they don't have time Mm -hmm. to make all this stuff into agriculture so it's easier for them to... This high turnover rate and exactly. it just keeps piling on. And it's easier for them. And you know what? Agriculture, in order to make agriculture, you need um, you need different processes that you need to make. And that requires money. So right. you're trying to make the most money out of these animals that you're raising. So even if you don't need the, even if you don't need the waste, you're trying to make that as less costly as you possibly can in order to get rid of it. Dan, I know you. your mission is to clean up the oceans, right? Mm-hmm. Like, that's part of the mission of sea culture? Yeah, it'd be more of just, like, educating consumers about, you know... Kind well, of, in, in the way that you're using plastic right. bottles yep. to make apparel. How does this make you feel as someone who isn't directly addressing this topic, but is tackling a different, different topic in our environment? It's definitely the same. I'm, like, on your guys' level with, like, veganism and uh, vegetarian. Like, I went... I was more on your side when it came to, um, like, just wanting to rid your body of that, you know, the toxins, the toxins when you're eating meat, and I kind of learned that from, like, my mom, and she's, like, a no-oil vegan type of girl, so, um, but, yeah, I mean, it's all the same, whether you're trying to, you know, eat better and help the environment that way, or recycle, or go package-free on uh, products, so it's kind of all the same, I, I yeah, sympathize with these guys when it comes to um, trying to like create a better earth for people. That's cool. You know? That's cool. So, in the topic of creating a better earth for people, um, Times Person of the Year was the envi- environmentalist Greta Thunberg. <laughs> you guys have thoughts on her? I want to know because for me, <laughs> I feel as though she's doing a good thing, right? Right. She's bringing attention to topics that need to be talked about that people very easily forget about. Right? Maybe not on purpose either. As consumers, we all tend to forget every once in a while about mm-hmm. our, the impact of our decision. So that's where I stand. Maybe I shouldn't have started with how I stand, um. but, but I want to know what you guys think about it. Uh, power of the people. Uh, she's speaking her truth, and I applaud her on that. Uh, I haven't consumed a lot of her content, to be honest. Um, I just heard her and uh, heard about her think on a podcast saying how she's um pushing this message and then trump on twitter yeah uh, like did a tweet saying how like i forget i'm gonna botch it but basically like shit talking her yeah and then she came back and then like yep was witty about it um but ultimately like what we're talking about um like i said power of people like you have to spread the awareness yeah. to get the consumer to change their minds because ultimately we're the the industries are beholden to the people that are buying into it. So if we can get less and less people uh, that are in support of the meat industry, then altogether the infrastructure kind of 
starts breaking apart. Yeah. She's yeah, she's awesome, man. Um she I don't mean to take your spotlight. Yeah. Um because I've done like a little bit of research on her. Um, she, I don't think she goes on flights. I know she's doing sailing like across the world. Like she doesn't. She took a train instead of flying, yeah, and people yeah. gave her beef about it. But well, it's and, better than going on a uh, flight. You know yeah, a hundred percent. She yeah, they broke it down, and it was right. She did her research, and she made the best decision for the trip she had to make. But mm-hmm. yeah, that's like the gener. That's like the next generation to oh, yeah. you know, if she's like she's sixteen. Reson- yeah, if she's resonating with those like that younger crowd, and. You know, that's great for the future think generation. I think, think so, the younger sure. generation cares about this stuff. Yeah. yeah. I think more 100%. than, more than like, our, how old are you guys? 24. 20. Yeah. So, like, more 20. than our age yeah. now, I guess we're kind of, like, at that stage. But I think growing up, learning about that, you know, because yeah. they have social media right out of the gate. I think social media kind of brought more views to people in our age group. Mm-hmm. Yeah. you know and humanitarian views yeah. just because it's built on For social sure. and um yeah i think what she's doing is controversial but to break through the noise of social media nowadays you have to be controversial mm-hmm. you oh, have to be yeah. very not extremist but you have to really have i think the introspection to like understand what makes you authentic and what makes your message and your voice authentic because that's the very thing that's going to be able to cut through all the noise and stand out among all the rest and not and pioneer basically a new path for people to follow along with because if you're trying to copy other people's voices or be a conglomerate of all these different messages then really you're just copying and you're just also a follower as well. What do you think about it? So the message that really stood out to me with Greta Thunberg is that she said that um, she's not going to let these these politicians take away her childhood, like all these beautiful landscapes that everyone has seen. And that's something that really struck me because basically the way that we think about things, especially when it comes to our government, is that we're never really thinking about the future when we make decisions. If we make decisions, we... make them because it's most convenient and beneficial to mm-hmm. us now. That's blanket statement. Where, <laughs> where like, I think that we should be thinking about the future more and like, we're really not. And as you could see, because of us not thinking about the future as much as the reason why we're where we're at today when it comes to the environment, um, we haven't really paid attention. And even we've gone out of some agreements where we're supposed to actually do things like the Paris climate yeah. climate agreement we we opted out of that because we have basically better interests in our own eyes of us as a country and and that's making money where in real life it's like if there's no planet then there's no way to make money you know what i mean so it's i feel like it's very important to take care of where we uh where we live I'm with you on that. Like when, but I think, and you said it too. Like, people, we care about the future when it comes to like capital gain, mm-hmm. with you know making strides in you know technology and all that to, you know, drive innovation. Right, but you're doing all that, and you're not really thinking about like back home, which is like, <laughs> but you know, your your environment. You're, you're in business, right? Yeah. So, and you you get it right, quarter over quarter. Yeah, it's supposed to be unlimited growth, which is obviously impossible. Yep, but. I mean, how do you even combat that? 
How do you even combat that, those thoughts, like that ideal? Combat. Like the idealism of unlimited growth, uh, unlimited profit potential at the cost of everything else. Yeah, it's it, it gets hard when you have people working for you, you know, and you got to be innovative to make a product, you know, go the distance. And But it just depends on, you know, the people you're working with and how you want to make a change. It, and it all depends on the product, too, and what goes into it. I think so. So, I mean, you got you can be, you can make a, um, a shirt out of plastic all day or you can make a shirt out of cotton all day. Just depends on how you market it, and um, I think as we're moving towards like the future of business, it's becoming more just direct to consumer, right? And ultimately, um, with social media, what's happening I think right now in our generation is people are trying to spread the message that's most resonating with the human experience or like humans in general. Um, I think in traditional business, there's a lot of like back end stuff, a lot of like jumping through hoops before it actually ends up to the consumer. But now it's just straight the company and the, the people. So if you're trying to build a business or organization, then you really have to resonate with the audience that you're spreading the message to. And kind of hitting on what we were talking about with like the meat industry, with uh, the demand for meat is driving the meat industry. I think we're moving towards the shift of being more humanitarian because, like I said, we're cutting out the middleman. It's more company direct consumer. And I think as, I don't know if that's shitty or not, but like the businesses might be playing on that. For sure. 100%. That's the thing, yeah. though. That's, that's how but that's we a good don't thing. really know, that's, though. But that's how yeah. we change uh, the whole way of of us exploiting these animals and, and making such a big carbon footprint on the environment is that in order for the government to change, we need to change slowly. As you can tell, we gotten a long, it's gotten us a long time to get to where we are, even just where industries are actually starting to take interest of becoming more environmentally friendly, you know what I mean? And and taking an interest in uh, making their own vegan products. And that's mainly because uh, there's, they're starting to spark an interest in our society of that kind of stuff. And they're moving towards that kind of stuff in order to make money. Is it right? Maybe not. Maybe they should be doing it because it's better for the environment, but they're mainly the doing it because... There, yeah. It makes them more money and it makes them more, um, it's, it's a lot better for marketing. Right. And it's a lot better for their business because there's a lot of people who are having an interest in yeah, it. Yeah, like marketing, you tell people what they want to hear almost. And I think yep. businesses, the way we're pushing with like more of the liberal-minded, idealistic businesses that you see on social media, and I might be biased to that because I'm just like in that space uh, through Boho Hobo, but I think... The businesses that are out there is just a reflection of the culture we have today. And because we're moving in this generation, generational 100%. shift with more climate change focused individuals, it's just yep. bringing all those ideals and beliefs out and showing it through the marketplace. I think that, I mean, we live in America, right? The products that we see on the shelves are there because people buy them. If people stop buying those products, companies don't sell them that's just how stuff works or they go bankrupt right they mm-hmm. they die so i think i think you hit the nail on the head which one of you said i mean 
fuck, it, it slipped. Um, like marketing, tell people what they want to hear. Yeah, the things that are there, it's a reflection of our culture, mm-hmm. right? So as we see beyond um, meat and Impossible Burgers and you know fast food chains and in Wegmans and this sort of and stuff, skyrocketing. It's, it's a reflection yeah. of the interest in this stuff. So I'm a meat consumer, but I've I try to you know be conscious in my consumption, and I think that as more people do that, we'll see an increase in availability and the the ease of this lifestyle. But it 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 starts with the consumer. It's yeah. not mm-hmm. going to start with the business. Mm-hmm. If the, the business is not going to create something that cannibalizes its own business, that's not going to happen. Do you understand what I'm saying? A egg producer, eggs, I don't know. Are there fake eggs? Are there vegan eggs? No. You can make a, a vegan egg. A beef producer is not going to produce a fake meat alternative unless it knows that people want it because it's just going to cannibalize its own business, right? It's not, there's so much overhead that goes into developing a new product like that it, why would it do that if beef is selling? So I think at the end of the day, and you guys, I want you guys' input on this, it's the responsibility of the consumer to make the change that they want to see. Right. How much blame can we actually put on these corporations? So um, as you're talking about that, you talk about two different things um, with like the cultural shift and like making people change. Like you said, you're meat eating and you're slowly making the change. So just like my input on just movements in general or trying to create culture change, you basically want to start with the people that are already on board, that have already made the shift to that what chosen change. And you, for as a case study, you can look at Apple, for instance. Like the growth of Apple um, start first started with all the tech nerds, with Steve Jobs, and then slowly it's like layers to it. You hit the people that most resonate, the next people tell their people, family members, people in the inner circle still, and then it slowly expands till it's mass media. And that's kind of, I think, what's happening with veganism. Um, Again, me personally, I'm not trying to change anyone. If they're super extremist meat eating, then go ahead, do that. But like slowly over time, I think the inner crowd is going to start to absorb, not absorb, but like bring Why? on board more people in support of Why? the core do think, idea. Do you think that's for the do you think as a general sum America's going to switch you say America's going to switch more towards that. Do you think that's because of the humanitarian side of things or mm-hmm. help capital? As <laughs> as belief oriented as I am and like idealistic and like wanting to push like a positive message, um I think ultimately what's going to happen is it's going to be way more efficient to be able to create vegan or man-made products that we can eat as human beings. It's very inefficient to grow a calf into mm-hmm. a full-on cow just to like then slaughter it. All the waste. I mean, all the waste. Just the, all the waste in the space that you need. You need for a, for one cow and for that cow to take care of its calf, you need around 1.5 acres to 2 acres which is of land, which is equivalent to a football field. You supplement. You take that out and put um, what? You put in grain as an alternative. You can have a lot bigger yield than one cow. So, it, like he said, it's a lot more efficient, and uh, it's it's it, it's going to get to a point where we're going to have to start doing this stuff. Who knows? We might have like designer biology where you can just create 
well, that goes into ethics again, but like what if you can just create a chicken in the lab and then slaughter it instead of raising it? Or what if we just remove animals altogether? Mm -hmm. I mean, that goes down ethics. Like, is that even a real chicken at that point? But like, side note, what if we can just create tofu in the lab or some sort and then just mass produce that and you just automate that shit and it's running super smooth? I bet bet the government wants to get to a point where they can not grow a chicken. Yeah. And they can go to that like vegan or vegetarian mm-hmm. they have section where they can more make, they can make things out of like a lab. You know what I mean? <laughs> they have more control over the resources. And right. I think ultimately as a business in that mindset, that's what you want. You want to the yeah. proletariat own owning the means of production. And, and you can do this. that more so when you're creating your own. Let me ask you this. On a molecular level, if we take the ethics out of it, what's the difference? between lab-grown cow meat and beyond meat. Like, if it's the same molecular, like, amount of protein, amount of carbs, amount of fat, what's the difference? There's a lot of chemicals that go into making a beyond meat. I'm not, I'm not, I'm saying... Ethics out. Ethics out of it. I mean, you guys are saying, well, someday we'll just have chickens in a lab and, you know, that sort of stuff. What's the difference between a chicken breast that was made with a chicken in the lab and a fake chicken breast that has the same amount of protein, same amount of carbs, same amount of fat. Ethics. I mean, you're t- so you're saying take ethics out, but that's ultimately the reason why the you would thing. choose the fake meat, I think. I think that it's we shouldn't even have fake meat because it's like I'm with you on that. Because it's like if we need to break this cycle that we're in of wanting and needing meat when mm-hmm. we really don't need it at all. If you become a vegetarian, why are you eating fake chicken? You know what I mean? It's like you don't you have with your to brain a little just bit. yeah, like yeah. you don't it's like your whole intention of wanting to eat meat is still there. So you, we need to learn and to take that intention out and if we're going to change the way that we think, ultimately we need to change the way that we think, not just the way that we eat in order to get anything across. Do you think and that's ever going to happen though? The only way that I think this is going to happen is through education. Mm-hmm. And education is key. And education is it, it, it's power. to It will bring so much power to people to actually be informed in the decisions that they make in order to actually realize that, oh, I'm not going to eat this chicken and this is why. Or I am not going to consume this burger because it's not sustainable enough for our environment like a burger is two months of water like two months of two months of you showering is equivalent to the water consumption that is put in making one burger so if i can go off that a little bit how efficient is on a large scale these vegan and vegetarian alternatives like peas like like beans don't those take massive amounts of water and such too? So they take a they they take not as much water as um, a cow, just because you have to remember that you have to give the water lots of give the cow sorry a lots of water to drink throughout the day, and also you have to give um, water for these like different kinds of grains and stuff like that in order to uh, keep them at a level where the cows can actually eat it. So the difference really is 
in the alternatives is that it comes down to you can just get a lot more when it comes to grains compared to a cow. Um, when you you can make one cow, you can you can raise one cow on one uh, almost a football field size of land compared to beans where you can grow a lot more food for a lot more people than just one singular cow. So it's really the efficiency that we use, that we that we uh, strive to use and strive to implement in the way that we get our food. Just because, as you guys know, the population is going up. We're projected to have close to 9 billion people at 2050. So the population is going up, but we're having a lot less land because we're using our resources in an inefficient way. So if we want to have more people on this planet, we need to develop a better way to make food and also have a lot more smarter food choices in how we actually obtain that. And to piggyback off of what you're saying, you were like a plant doesn't give off waste. And if, you know, like there's no like waste from a plant. Well, the waste is like you oxygen. Know, it's, yeah, and it's not going to go and seep into the, the groundwater, the water table that is in the surrounding area, like with doing the waste of the animals in those big facilities. So yeah. um, that's like a big thing there that not a lot of people realize is like the waste might be like the biggest like negative coming out of that animal, you know? Yeah, and like it's, like I said, the, the thing that's really going to change us is education and um, just basically a realization and, and a reflection in what is moral and what is not moral. We tend to follow these kinds of stuff just because, oh, like, I, I don't know if I can stop eating meat because my mom makes this really good traditional dinner every, every year at Thanksgiving or Christmas and I have to eat it because she'll get upset or she'll... I've said, I've or said she, that exactly or, probably five times. Yeah, or she'll now want time. me to eat it or like if, if I don't eat it, then she'll get really upset at me. But Shout it's like... my mom. <laughs> but it's like there's got to be a point where like yeah. we got to be like, okay, like number one this isn't really morally right. And number two, this isn't doing any justice to our environment or helping it get to a better way. So if it's not doing, if it's not helping our environment or if it's not technically morally right, then why do we keep doing it? You know, it's, it's, a, it's a question that I, I like to hear answers from people, but ultimately it's just, we make these decisions out of greed and out of desire to a desire I, to. I disagree. I think we make decisions out of a disconnect. I don't think people are inherently greedy or inherently bad, but I think people just genuinely have a disconnection between where their food comes from. Do you agree? I agree. I totally agree. Just like I said earlier, um, these companies actually are very isolated, and we can't really see all these processes that are going on and. I, I can agree with you on that, that, that there's disconnect, but as you guys know, the social media is bigger than ever, and there has been a lot of awareness spread, and it's not that we're disconnected from it, is that it's that we see these things, we see these vid videos, we see these um, warning, explicit content videos, but 
we look at them and then we just click, you know what I mean? Right. And then we just Don't move forward and we yep. live our lives. So in order to actually realize what's going on is that we know what's going for the most part most people know what's going on and most people know that at the end of the day these animals have to die if they like it or not and for most people that's all right as long as they get their you know as long as they get their steak or they get their chicken wings that they want like that's totally fine where where it's like has anyone really stopped and been like is this like right you know what i mean because if you flip it and you go oh, okay like i maybe i want some human legs today you know what i mean it's like no one's gonna be like that's right like that's right of you to have you know so it's like i don't know it's just really in a way you really have to change the way you think and you have to start with the younger generation <coughs> in order to do that Kyle, you've been quiet for a minute <laughs> yeah a lot of things are bouncing around in my yeah. head um, so, are you talking about like large scale, like yeah. literally everyone changing to this vegan, vegetarian Sh- lifestyle? So it will take a lot of time, but at a large scale, the best way in order to, like I said, is sustain this huge population that uh, we're aiming towards, which is like I said, around nine billion. We're gonna have to change our diet, whether right. we like it or not. So, mm-hmm. yeah. My so. question is, like, the changes that are happening already, is it beliefs-based changes, or is it changes because of how the industry is changing? So, is there yeah. the difference between making the moral, educated, higher consciousness change, or is it because, logically speaking, businesses want to make more money, we're living in a capitalistic world, innovation is getting driven, and it's just the nature of the beast? And it's it's just both. I think with social media, it's spreading the awareness, education piece, and then also on top of that, do the companies actually take an action? Yeah, and I think it's because we're getting it to a place in science and technology to allow our resources to be efficient enough to be able to create Beyond Burger at a consumer level price. It's the same thing with technology at a consumer level for like these mics, for instance. Like, the demand was 50 there. years ago, the demand could have been there, but because radio host. of <laughs> our technology, we had to uprice these mics by so much. And then because of that, consumers aren't able to buy into it because they're overpriced. So only the people and the higher ups are able to have access to that. So what are you tying that to? Vegan or vegetarian, Beyond Burger, all these things that are coming out and getting in the conscious media. I think it's a technology shift. Mm -hmm. I don't think it's, Mm -hmm. ultimately, I don't think it's belief driven just because we live in a capitalistic world. I think education and through media, spreading messages, awareness to this kind of stuff is going to have somewhat of a shift but if we're looking for a widespread shift i think ultimately it's just technology how the businesses up top are going to be structured and what the consumers are going to buy into like for instance if you can make living a vegetarian vegan lifestyle to be cheaper than paying for meat how many people would end up making that shift i think it already is cheaper Mm. there you you go is it it's eating vegetables it compared to eating a steak. It really does not seem like it would be cheaper. Yeah. But if, let's say, McDonald's doo-doo just... Completely agree. Yep. 
wanting to get profit margin right. if they just completely eliminated their menu and just started pushing these vegetarian options just because it was cheaper. Burger now cage. people are kind of like forced into doing that. Well, ultimately, I, th- I feel like like that lifestyle is cheaper though. Like a uh, a handful of beans Only compared to like a steak. You need a lot more volume though. I don't think I think you're not considering the volume of food you. Mm. Unless right. I'm incorrect. I don't, I don't know, know, man. You have I, to be, I feel like you you have can be very savvy too with so, how you're buying all of the right. groceries you go out and get. It's very easy to just end up buying all of these um, manufactured or um, what do they call them? They're like artificial. beyond the artificial, like, yeah, packaged I feel like, goods, I feel like and then no it ends up being that. a lot more expensive. Right. I feel like no one should even eat that stuff. It is a lot cheaper. Like, honestly, right? a vegetarian lifestyle is... It's vegetables. It, it's a lot cheaper. I spent a lot... Like, I went to Chipotle the other day. I spent... I used to spend, like, around $10, and now I get a vegetarian burrito. I spend, like, yeah. 5 bucks. Like, even five going to the market, like so lettuce like, and like exactly. And like all so that stuff. it's literally it's it's a lot cheaper if you inform yourself if right. you go out of your way and do research and know what you have to eat. But that's the part of our society nowadays. We're all so lazy and we really don't want to go out of our way to look at different alternatives. We don't want to we don't want to go on the internet and mm-hmm. God forbid spend some of our free time and see oh what are these alternatives that I can eat other than meat. We just for most of us, we, and I don't know, for most of us, we really just like to stick to what we've been doing, stick to what my mom has been feeding me, our moms have been feeding us, just because it's easier, and it's all we know. Mm-hmm. And for me, I feel like we're not we're not making the change maybe as fast as we really want to, just because it's easier to stay in the normal than it is to go out of your comfort zone and try something different, even though it may be better for you and be better for the environment that you live in. Mm-hmm. So if it's healthier, cheaper, mm-hmm. more sustainable, and ethical, why are we not seeing a bigger switch? Because we're still I think early you are. on. Yeah. We're early as fuck in it. But I and feel like, like you are already. If you, like looking at the meat industry, there's a level of efficiency where you can't get any more efficient in producing meat products to distribute out to Wegmans, Walmart, whatever it may be. But with creating your own plant-based products, you can just maximize efficiency. Like it goes out of this world with how fast you can produce this stuff. And especially if we're going to have like these 12 tray plant green greenhouse towers yeah, or whatever yeah. and then automated robots just packaging that shit up and then manufacturing these plant-based products like we're off to the races at that point but i think it takes a level of technological advancement till we get to that point when we make what's the your like mass shift what's your idea of a plant-based product so like a Beyond, Beyond Meat Burger. burger. So yeah. like veggie burgers. I feel like we've had Beyond like plant based products for millions of years. It's vegetables, it's beans, it's all that. So like I feel like that's just gonna be the next shift is like everyone's gonna the industries are all gonna do like the meatless stuff and it's gonna be literal junk food. Like that stuff's not I don't think it's good for you. Yeah, but they're gonna be like it's the only reason why Right, but like the chemicals the dyes that go into mm-hmm. it. Um, if you actually take a look at like what a Beyond Meat burger has in it, it's like this long of ingredients yeah. compared to mm-hmm. a chicken, which is chicken. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, GMOs and chemicals, right. but which yeah. not what a consumer that's not like 
educated in that are going to be like, okay, I'm going to pick this because there's one ingredient. Mm-hmm. You know, the only reason why we're making these Impossible Burgers and is to compete. Or vegan ch- no, this vegan chicken is so people. It, so it's like we're making these products. So when people are like, oh, like maybe I'm going to try this. Mm-hmm. Um, they're like, oh, it's not too different from what I usually eat. So it'll, yeah, exactly. So it's like, oh, this is vegan chicken, but it still looks like chicken. So like, it's not different than what I usually eat, which is like something that's like wrong because like I yeah. said earlier is like, we should wipe that whole idea of eating chicken in the first place. Right. You know what I mean? If we just switch to an alternative and make it look like chicken, the whole idea and conception of, um, taking advantage of the lives of these other animals and using them to our benefit is still there. And I honestly think that in order to get to where we want to, and not everyone is going to change because they have a shift in their moral conception on how they see animals and how we treat them, but most people are going to shift from an environmental point of view. Mm -hmm. And um, in order to, like I said, um, really have a sustainable environment and um, try to reduce all the um, impacts that we've created on our environment through climate change and uh, severe uh, like floodings and stuff like that all due to climate change is that we need to have a change in diet because there's been a really big misconception in our society of CO2 emissions is the biggest factor in climate change when that's really false. Like agribusiness makes up most of the uh, greenhouse gases that we emit into the environment. Agribusiness is filled with cows and that create waste, that burp. And when they burp, they uh, emit a lot of methane and methane is a lot more potent than CO2. So when you're emitting as much methane as you have and you have around 1,000, 2,000 cows on your farm, that's a lot more um, methane going into the environment opposed to us driving. And also it's a lot easier for us to change our diet than it is for us to drive less or exactly for like Mm -hmm. us to drive less or for us to like um, not as use much electricity like we're in a society where we need to do those things because we need to get to places we need to do stuff like that but like it's easier if you're just like because it's a decision it's easier for me to be like okay i'm not going to eat chicken today and that's a way i can reduce the greenhouse gases that i emit because you're not supporting these companies that are using the resources in an irresponsible way uh yeah i mean as humanitarian as i am and liberal idealistic minded I do have this, like, sense of, like, coming from a capitalistic mindset just because, like, owning my own business. And I think ultimately, since we're living in a capitalistic world, the decisions that businesses and companies that are going to make is for the bottom dollar at the end of the day. And I, I think ultimately we're, why we're seeing all these shifts is because the economy is getting at a certain point where we have so much resources to be able to stabilize like the agriculture just going through the hierarchy of economics we got the agricultural business manufacturing service industry more the music and arts entertainment so we have all these resources now like think about 
a hundred years ago with agricultural business. There are so many more farmers out there, but now we're seeing the shift where there's only like one farmer for every so many acres where we have less farmers and we're moving up in the economy because technology, having the, the plow invented, now having the computer, all these advancements are, and maybe I'm like biased because I'm more like futuristic technology, but I think it, that's what's allowing us ultimately to have these changes with our culture. Um, and again, like as beliefs driven as I am, I support the change, but mm-hmm. cynic, from coming maybe as a cynic, I think it might not be the beliefs, it's more so capitalism and just the advancement of capitalism. 100% is capitalism. How, sure. How it's much like of how this world works. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, I, our world. Yeah. But yeah. like coming our from a socialistic country. standpoint, maybe with like um, Ukraine or Sweden, they might be. Right. It's, it's structured differently. So like they're making decisions based off of like what's morally correct, mm-hmm. whereas we're making decisions based off of what's going to make us the most money. How yeah. much of this do you guys think is a trend? Vegan <laughs> like, or? Well, yeah, I feel like a lot of it is. A trend. You know? I think that. Um, is, it, is it hot right now? I think it's a good trend. I'm not arguing that. Right. I'm not. You think it's going to die out? No, that's not what I'm saying. I'm just saying how much of this push, how much of this, the increase in consumption of vegan goods that's leading to these advances in technology, right? How much of this is a trend that might just be a wave, like a like a fad? I don't think it is because like look at, t- side note, you, you mentioned Tesla for instance. Like we're at a place with technology where it's going to end up becoming more efficient, more cost effective to own a solar car, like such as a Tesla. And that's going to drive that push. So like you're saying it's a trend, but also I think I'm it's asking. just... I'm asking. I'm not mm-hmm. saying. I'm asking. Oh, okay. I think that diet, I think, sorry to interrupt you, yeah. but that diet, that vegan diet has been um, adopted by people for how many years? I think mm-hmm. it's the, the use of like social media and people kind of understanding more because social media that's where you can see it's like trending up right now you know what i mean especially with like recycling and cleaning the earth that's been going on for how long people have been using um compost bins you know going package free you know doing all that stuff for years it's kind of kind of up there now because of social media media. i think we're on a spike yeah because the messaging's there you can distribute your voice and educate people. Jose, how do you feel? I think we're where we're at today just because we have been pushing and we have uh, been fighting for what is right. I don't know if you're familiar with the organization called PETA. I'm. Um, Meek Mill just released a song. Yeah. <laughs> we're all so familiar with those guys. They, um, they have been pushing and they've been fighting. And right. as you guys know, with any historical... Um, event that's happened that's led to change um there has to be some sort of shock value that will hit people and will really make them start to reflect and see what they do is right or wrong so with martin luther king um he sat in the middle of the road and didn't move until he um was granted his rights that's something that's shocking what PETA did is really shocking as well. They went to these um, designer stores in, in Europe and uh, 
they asked to meet with Calvin Klein because Calvin Klein was using fur products and Calvin Klein talked to them and uh, and he said that they were bu- they were busy they couldn't meet with anyone and this might not be the best way but Peter what Peter did is they went into his office the next day and they trashed it and then the, he responded to them after and we're like okay like I'll meet with you blah 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 and they actually got to an agreement where Calvin Klein no longer uses any fur products and stuff like that. So, for you, this is directly... Mm -hmm. How much of your decision to make your brand's purpose around cleaning up the world, right, cleaning up the oceans, this sort of stuff, how much of that came from the consumers wanting that product versus your personal beliefs in this sort of stuff? It's a really good question. I've gotten that like a lot. Um, I want to say the, cause I started a brand called Leeway and that was right when I met you and that wasn't, that was just getting a product, design it, done, send it out to a consumer. High um, waste, you know, you know, don't care. Cheap apparel. Yeah. And, um, Fast when I st- yeah, when I st- it wasn't really fast because there wasn't too many units involved, but it, it, it re- probably it might have went that way. Who knows? But um, I think it went to like when I had to change this name um, and kind of got in like this deep hole of like, what do I make that is different or something like that? So definitely looking at other brands and kind of seeing their ideas and then just doing a ton of research. I'm like a big research guy when it comes to a consumer product when it comes to someone like what's getting made how the factories um, are producing these products who's getting paid who's getting not paid who's you know the fair working conditions and all that so that was always kind of in the back of my mind even when starting that first brand but it kind of like jumped to that because of seeing other brands do that and then doing more research on how harmful this industry is to the environment um, and kind of like me being a part of it sucks, you know? So I'd say that it's, it's a good thing that I've kind of found other brands that I resonated with and then kind of piggybacked <coughs> off their idea. But um, yeah, I'd say about like, I'd say like 60% maybe yeah. of like in the beginning and then kind of, you know, me just doing what's right, I think. You know, and that kind of goes back to what right. you were saying, right? Yeah. Where if people are educated about the impact mm-hmm. that their decisions are making, I mean, does, is that what you're saying? Yeah. If, if like I said, and, and it all goes even through schooling. Like I, I did some research in like in elementary school. Uh, people are shown food chains and uh, different kinds of diet food chains where uh, a cow is included in the in the food chains and that's actually not true at all you don't even have to eat meat in your diet in order to have a uh, nutritional diet and other things like food chains which you're shown at an early age um, that the humans at the top of the food chain and everything else at the bottom serves for the human so I think it's very important for us to um, in order for us to change our mindset is that uh, we really have to do it through education and we have to do it at an earlier at an early age because at an early age especially in our primary school is when we start to learn what's right and when we start and we start to learn what's wrong and so if we educate our future generation future generations on what's actually right 
and what's actually wrong, then they will carry that throughout our whole lives. Because most of the time when we do these changes, we're already 20 years, I'm 20 years old, mm-hmm. you, you guys are already, you guys already lived a lifestyle of meat consumption. That's why it's so hard to change. But imagine getting those, imagine learning those values and uh, actually understanding that a diet, you don't need meat. You don't need a meat-based diet in order to be healthy at an early age. If you learn that at an early age, it'll be easier to make decisions like we are making today to become w- vegetarian. Yeah, I wish I had that. You know, okay. I w- I, we probably all wish we had that. And I think our upcoming generation has more education on yeah. climate change, and that's why you right. might be seeing more yeah, of it. Definitely. I mean, it's more readily available to us, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I want to speak on something that I think might bring some context to this. And this was a study that I learned about in psychology, I believe. And maybe you know about this, but they took five chimps and they put a ladder in their room. Okay. And they put a banana hanging at the top of the ladder. And every time a chimp would go up there to try to grab the banana, they'd all be splashed with cold water. Okay. So it took maybe five, six, seven times where a chimp would go up, try to grab the banana and they'd all be splashed with cold water. So they stopped. They stopped climbing the ladder because they realized that if you climb the ladder and you try to reach for the banana, you get splashed with cold water. So they pulled the chimp out and they put a new chimp in, right? So now there's four original, one knob. He saw the banana, he tried to climb, everybody splashed with cold water, okay? So now he's, oh man, I'm gonna butcher this, but <laughs> at the end, it was all new chimps and none of them would go up the ladder, but none of them had been splashed with cold water. But okay. they were—they all just knew from the other chimps. Oh, this is why I butchered it. Um, <laughs> that one chimp, when it climbed the ladder, the four other chimps knew that they were going to be splashed with cold water, so they beat the chimp that was climbing the ladder before he could reach the banana. Mm. So eventually, they would swap one out and take out an old one. And eventually there were five chimps in there that had never been splashed by cold water, but they would not climb the ladder and reach for the banana. And that's because of old ideals, old thoughts, old beliefs that were just part of the culture, part of, it was just brought forward. Mm -hmm. And I really think the way that you guys are talking about it, it reminded me of that, right? That we were just brought up on meat eating diets. We didn't know any different. Our parents didn't know any, you know, it's just Mm -hmm. not, it wasn't part of the discussion. Mm -hmm. We were being beat for reaching for a banana not you know it was there was no reason yeah um so yes we're in the middle of that cultural shift we really are yeah you know what i mean and uh i I would you brought up morals and ethics and i question how much of morals and ethics is an emotional decision making thing um because like the same thing if you're spreading messages through a documentary footage you're hitting home on someone's emotional core as far, far as why they should shift to becoming more vegan. But then on top of that, here they want that emotional decision to be made, but then you give them a plate of this fresh steak, and they've lived their whole life eating meat. And that same emotional response is coming out for that steak. So yeah, you might have this consciousness to you, mindfulness to wanting to go here, but what's right in front of you is this amazing steak, right? So. I just question like how much of morals has more of like a um, maybe a higher thought process or is it targeting more like the emotional core? So 
we shouldn't be making these decisions off straight emotions because that's when you basically start to actually question your own reasoning on why you're vegetarian or you're vegan. Say that again. So we shouldn't make these decisions off emotions because after a certain amount of time, we start to question um, if why we're vegetarian or we're vegan because over time, those emotions deteriorate and we tend to go back to the habits that we make. So the emotional point of it, yes, it's very important because it hits home and it really makes you not want to eat meat, consume meat, because you see the suffering of these animals and you see how immorally they're getting treated. But at the end of the day, it's not about emotion. It's more about a concept. It's more about the concept on why you shouldn't be doing it in the first place. It's not because, oh, I just saw these animals suffer in a slaughterhouse. This is why I'm going to become vegan and vegetarian. It's because, oh, I know that these animals shouldn't be treated this way because they have other interests in their life, even though they might not be as complex as us, those interests does not involve them suffering and us taking advantage of their lives. So for me, actually changing that way of my thinking is what's gotten me to not eating meat since November 4th and not actually having a desire to meet at, uh, eat meat at all rather than going off an emotional uh, point of view. Because if it's emotional, then you react and then you go, oh, like this. Actually, it's interesting because as I was saying earlier about uh, when I got into my classes and I was watching these documentaries, um, I wanted to make these decisions off an emotional point of view. You know what I mean? I wanted to, after I saw these documentaries, I was like, oh, I'm not going to eat meat anymore. And then the next day I eat, I eat like, I don't know, a burger or something. And it, it came to the point where my professor actually told me the reasons why you shouldn't. And once you know the reasons, instead of letting your emotions take over, then you have the foundation on why you changed your decision. And every time you question yourself and people question you on why you're not eating meat or on why you don't consume meat anymore, then you have the, that foundation to go back to. And you can say, okay, these are the reasons. Um, specifically for me, um, there's no justification for suffering. So I don't try to, I try to minimize suffering in my life because it's something that shouldn't be brought into the world, in my opinion. So I feel like in order for you to actually change, you need to have foundational reasons. So whenever you get questioned or your integrity gets questioned, you can go back to those foundations and you can say, okay, this is why, instead of going back to your reasoning and saying, oh, just because, like, mm. I didn't like to see that cow suffer. And that's, th- that's the basis of philosophy in itself. Mm-hmm. So it's more, like, value-based and purpose-driven. I was going to say that's pretty much true for everything, right? Mm-hmm. Like, and I can relate that heavily to investing, right? And that's going to sound terrible to some people. But what you're saying, if you put it in the investment limelight, right? Like, you need to have an understanding of why. You can't let emotions drive you. You have to let that stuff line up with your morals instead of your emotions, right? All that sort of stuff goes hand in hand with investing. It goes hand in hand with your business mission, right? So, I mean, that's with everything. But I just, is the point that consumers aren't thinking that way? Consumers aren't thinking that way just because, like I said, it's easier 
to not have it, to not having to take time out of your day to think about it. We as humans are so busy with our lives. We have a million things to do. And the last thing we're going to do is consider if what we're eating is ethical or not. You know what I mean? Just because I'm hungry, so and I go and eat this and that's it. You know what I mean? But like thinking about what you're doing and what you're eating and the way that your food is getting produced, it's just for some people it's too much. And having to worry about what you eat and having to worry about every day if what what you eat considers meat or not is just something too much for people. So really what I feel like is the point in order to do all of this is not to like step out of our comfort zone and actually use our intelligence that we all say how intelligent humans are Mm -hmm. and use that intelligence to make rational and moral Mm -hmm. decisions and that's a Um, just studying personality that's just like a that's a personality type in, in itself like the philosophy mind and that's hard to kind of implement in a large scale. In a large scale. And it's like, uh, yeah, you want to give people a reason why they like have go vegan or vegetarian, but you also want to just give them a reason to even think ethically or think philosophically in itself. I feel like, I, I mean, to have your mindset, I guess all of our mindsets in a large scale would be helpful to the environment. But end of the day, there's just people that don't, that could see a video of an animal getting slaughtered and probably not care and still eat meat whether they're educated about it or not, you know, that's just how the world works. There's a melting pot of people and ideas. Um, it's interesting that, like, moving forward, how that's going to change with education, you know what I mean? It's, it's, people have that attitude mainly because... They're not educated, probably. No, no, they're not educated. It's just, like, it's the normal, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, no one has ever been there to correct those misconceptions that they've had. So... As you can tell, when kids are little, especially on farms and stuff like that, say you have a family and you're on a farm. If your dad has to slaughter pigs in order to feed your family, most kids don't want to slaughter animals. Most kids don't want to eat animals. And that's very interesting because it's already a reaction that's installed in us in order for us to see suffering is something that we don't want to see. Kids at a young age, they don't want to kill a chicken. They don't want to kill a pig. They actually sympathize with those animals and they consider them as friends. But at the end of the day, if someone's telling you to do something because it's normal and it's that's what's got to happen, especially if they're your parents, you're going to think, okay, that's normal for the rest of my life. You know what I mean? But if we introduce this different way of thinking, which is going to be super hard because... There's a lot of money. There's a lot of money that these gov- that the government is putting into these farms. There's a lot of um, a lot of behind the scenes stuff that's going on. That if we start to um, expose people to this different way of thinking, they're gonna want to change. Um, they're gonna want to change the way that they get their food, and that can impact the companies that are working with the government. I've never heard about the government giving money or subsidizing the American meat and chicken and egg and milk business? Is there anywhere I can go to like learn about that or see about that? So it's actually really hard to look that stuff up because 
like I said, all of that stuff is very behind the scenes and like even you're not even allowed to go on farms anymore because because it's considered private property or whatever. And gov- the government grants that private property and and um, and actually have people who have the government and federal government to a point has people like cops and stuff like that um, that don't let people near those kinds of things because they don't want them to see what's actually going on. So just because there's a lot of like there's a lot of business going behind it, um, it's really hard to actually see that the government is funding them but in a way that you can see is that if you go to google uh and see how many government run farms there are you'd be surprised how many there actually are cool you guys mind if i switch up the topic yeah going to something new so i want to talk about minimalism um i wanted to know your guys' take on it whether or not you guys are practicing minimalists um, yeah, just hear <laughs> your um, your take on it and why it's yeah. important and how it for me it ties into this discussion, but maybe not for you guys. So I want to I want to hear it. It's about living your life more with less. Mm-hmm. Living your life more meaningful with less. That's basically my take on it. And you can do that through having less clothes instead of having a whole wardrobe. You just have three or four selects button-ups that you really enjoy having and you just wear that shit until it's fucking destroyed or something like that and then you get more value out of it because you're using it more and you might actually create like this emotional connection with it I don't know Mm -hmm. but things of that nature um me as a vegetarian uh being minimalist with that uh I try to uh I don't know how to put this. Like when I go to Aldi's, for instance, I try to be minimalist even in my grocery shopping. So what I'll do is um, I just go to the frozen fruit, uh, frozen section, and I just get frozen vegetables and if it's like tofu, uh, veggie burgers. Um, I actually consume more frozen foods um, just because, in my opinion, I think it's more sustainable than buying this organic fruit that is going to end up dying in like three or four days. Um, So just having frozen vegetables all the time in my freezer, um, I don't have to worry about like shelf life, whatever. Um, I can just throw it in the stir fryer, cook that up, and it's ready to go. That's cool. I'm I'm definitely a minimalist. I think we might probably all have that trait. with you, I've never done like the the frozen food stuff. I always get like fresh foods, but it's I get a, what I need. It's actually know? more nutritious for you. Um, well, there might be studies out there yeah. that disclaim that. Um, but uh, just thinking about it logically here, uh, when they pick ripe fruits and vegetables and they freeze it, they do a flash freeze. So they're picking it when it's fully ripened, and then flash freezing it on the spot. Whereas when you get fresh produce. They pick it when it's not ripe, and then as it's traveling up, there, it starts yeah. getting ripened. As I don't know if you can attest to any of that, but you just got to be careful with um, the different plasticizers that they use, and the and you really got to do some research on the protocol that companies use because even though you are getting frozen foods, there's there's still um, the plasticizers like there's pretty toxic chemicals that go into making the plastic. Uh, for the fruit that you're putting in. But mm. it's also, some of the stuff is kind of ridiculous too. Like, have you guys ever seen 
um, plastic wrap over apples or like stupid. bananas. Like they already so have, stupid. they already yeah. have like their yeah. skin to cover the actual mm-hmm. fruit. So it's mm-hmm. like that's that stuff that's like I don't know. I find really annoying. Are you a practicing minimalist? I practicing minimalist sounds like a religion. <laughs> oh, like, <laughs> I like that. I try to You just right? fucking yeah. like you gotta go in and go hard on it. Yeah. Full I end. try to I try to definitely reduce. Um, mostly my impact on the environment i thrift shopped a lot i uh, don't really do any online shopping especially with uh, having things shipped to me because that does take a lot of uh, energy on the side especially with transportation and everything so uh, i only really buy things if like if i really need them or if i um like i said yeah if i if i really need them or have any reason for them but other than that, yeah, I really just try to live my life and really try to consume with purpose. Consume with a purpose and not fall into the trap where I'm trying to consume things just because everyone else is consuming them. Just because it's convenient too, yeah. you know. One thing that I find very interesting is that minimalism is something that I think liberals can. Um, resonate with but it's also a very conservative mindset as well and so I find this I always like in political ideology trying to find these crossovers to be able to like bring these two sides together and I think minimalism is something that we can all kind of definitely come so together around minimalism I'll talk on I've consumed less which has produced less waste for me I've shipped less things to me I've reduced my co2 footprint is that the correct way to say yeah, that carbon, carbon footprint, footprint. Carbon yeah. footprint. Um, through just consuming less. And I've also, on the other hand, sold a lot of stuff, so gotten a lot of money for junk, right? I've saved money because I'm not buying things. And then using something like a hydro flask or a reusable mug, I bring this into a Starbucks or I bring this into school and I get get a discount. They give Mm -hmm. you a discount. So I'm saving Mm -hmm. money. And I am, you know, it's just a win, 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 in my opinion. Why Dude, I'll go to I'll go to Wegmans. Sorry for interrupting you, but I'll go to Wegmans and I literally will get what I need and I won't take a plastic bag. Like I'll tr- so I'll try I, my hardest to do that. I live in Ithaca and they don't even have plastic bags. I mean, yeah. they charge yeah. you for a paper bag. So everything is is reusable yeah. there. It's supposed to be. Yeah, and oh, you can go. I was just thinking, like, why does the government have these incentives to be more environmentally conscious? As far as what? As far as what incentives? Um, you think it's government driven or is it like solar for instance why are they trying to have less taxes on solar equipment basically because they're cheaper or no our impacts on the environment they're seeing the impacts of the environment and if we keep going at the rate we're going environment (laughs) yeah half of florida is going to be underwater california is going to be underwater like a third of india Mm -hmm. is going to be underwater so if we keep going at this rate we're not going to be able to hold as many people as we want because yeah there's a lot of places in this world that we can civilize in but most of those places are inhabitable just because they're too cold like Canada like the whole top of Canada no one can live in just because it's too cold and if we keep going at this rate California could even be too hot just Mm -hmm. because uh, the global average temperature is rising so the government is starting to realize that these changes are happening and we need to minimize them. But um, in order to really minimize all these impacts, we really need to start incentivizing these companies. 
because like there's this one uh, thing that the government does to these companies and it's called uh, cap and trade and when you cap the emissions of this company you actually can get money for the emissions that you don't use so that's another incentive that uh, the government is giving to companies Tesla's actually selling those things those essentially they work like points you can imagine them like yeah. points right mm-hmm. like the government awards these points for companies that can keep their emissions under a certain point tesla sells their points to like ford gm these big conglomerates yeah. so that they can say hey i have these points i'm at the threshold they're below it right Interesting. yeah so tesla is actually one of the things mm-hmm. that helped them generate revenue when they weren't making any money and needed money f- to, to fuel growth was selling these these I don't know what they're called but they're so yeah so the cap is the um, the limit that you the amount of emissions and if you go under it you can trade them to other companies that are over Got and it. then that way you can get money back mm. for those emissions you don't use to to speak on why I personally think the government is incentivizing something like solar I also think there's now becoming a realization that there's not enough power for all of us to switch to things like electric vehicles. Like imagine all of New York City or all of LA switching to electric vehicles and being plugged in at the end of the night. Right. I genuinely don't think there's enough power to charge all those cars right now. I think we're gonna need more power. I think we're gonna need more electricity and to make it sustainable with something like solar is the best way to go about it, right? And it's Mm -hmm. also, it also saves people a lot of money. It's also, you know, advantageous to wind energy too. Wind energy is a is a really good renewable resource that we could use in order to get our uh, electricity. Solar is kind of iffy, just because uh, if you put solar energy, it's not as reliable. Just because on cloudy days and especially during the winter season, you don't get as much sun, so it's it's not as reliable. But wind energy is something we can uh, really depend on. But having yeah. that both for a building would be just great. You know, yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. I would want. I wonder, like, what the optimization rate is for solar versus wind. If we're able to advance technology to have solar more optimized, like versus, capture more energy per right. And which one is has a higher ceiling, like yeah. level of hmm. threshold to produce more energy? Yeah, I don't know. That'd be an interesting discussion with yeah. somebody that knows more than us, right? You got to get someone from <laughs> one of these colleges to come in. So, um, what should we? And I say we as me and the listeners talking to you guys, what should we be aware of right now? What should we be conscious of right now? Consumption with um, with everything, right? I mean, think about the next time you want to get a, a plastic bottle or if you want to buy one of those hydro flasks and take another step to just get a uh, clean water machine and just, you know, connected to the sink um which i did and that also it's really really changed things for me yeah um definitely consumption think about the environment first your impact that's like the biggest thing and and you see more and more people doing that which is great you know artificial intelligence oh yeah i think we should be more aware (laughs) of that oh for sure man if we're talking about this in the environmental um space uh hmm Actually, you go. I wasn't really thinking about <laughs> I think we should be more conscious of how the government is running stuff. I think 
I think it's a little unfair. I know the government can't share everything, but I think it's a little unfair when the people don't really know everything that's going on, especially when it comes to how we get our food. I think we really need to be more aware of what's going on behind those closed doors and um, give people motivation to see what healthier choice options are, to see um, if what they're eating is actually helping our environment or not. And that way we can reduce our carbon footprint and uh, we can hopefully reduce all the uh, impacts that we're going to have on the environment. I think ultimately for me, it's my thought is self-awareness. Like just again, coming from background of behavior change, you can't change other people. You can spread these messages all you want. um, But at the end of the day, people have to make their own choice. So maybe just the self-awareness of knowing what your values are, what your morals are, and then making the conscious decision to change on your own. That's amazing. Um, what do you guys think one person can do? Say average Joe, what's the, if he was going to make one decision tomorrow, right? As, as a, he wants to make a positive impact, right? He's going to make one decision tomorrow. What's the most impactful decision he can make on making the world a better place in the landscape of, of the environment and that sort of stuff? I think if you were to like boil it down to like one one small thing would be maybe to reduce eating meat maybe to once a week to start. Yeah, you know like what I, I mean? would I would honestly or just twice be like, a hey, week. man, like how about you don't have that chicken breast for one day and see how you feel after. Mm-hmm. Like a meatless Monday sort of thing. Yeah, like yeah. a meat like start there and you then, can't jump right then, into then, it. Exactly. You start, know that. Yeah, yeah, start there and start making your way up and maybe get it to two days, maybe to get get it to three days. Like the more you do it, the more you realize that right you can it's not that hard to do and like i said earlier when you make those decisions you're having a greater impact on the environment than when you're actually you're focusing on driving less or when you're focusing on um not using as much electricity in your house especially christmas time is coming around and a lot of people have their lights out like it's hard to not do all that stuff so the easiest way in my idea in order to reduce your carbon footprint is just to eat less meat and no one's really stopping us you know what i mean no one's no one's telling us not to we have the alternatives in front of us we just need to choose them i'll let let you go but another one would be if you don't want to change your diet yet like just don't take a plastic bag when you buy something at a store just or like don't if you're buying something small if you're buying three or four things, just take them with your hands and walk out. Or if you're if you're buying something from a store that requires a bag, maybe get a paper bag and reuse that paper bag once. It'd give it more of a life cycle or, or a, a reusable you know, bag. Yeah, that's how minimalization Re- ties in. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. you know what I mean. Like give something that you that's easily throw that you can throw out another a second life or something. You know what I mean. I think this is a complex discussion that can be boiled down pretty simply to uh, recycle, eat less meat, go vegan, vegetarian if you can, and be more sustainable with your clothing. Yeah, easy, easy. That's all I need. (laughs) Reduce is like the biggest thing, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. There's just so many people just use, and we probably all are 
culprit to that. You yeah. know, I mean, we overconsumption. There's a, there becomes a certain point where you can only do so much, right? right. Like you yeah. were saying, like every once in a while, you just are in a position where you have to consume dairy, yeah, or something like that. Right? I'd like to explore the the zero packaging route. I know like one person that does that. So hop on Reddit and yeah. join Zero Waste. It's a Reddit that I'm a part of. <clears throat> I love it. It's been great. Um, but I can tell you a couple things that I've done to really reduce my waste is one putting a bottle system yep. in my in my huge. apartment that made a huge difference. And then also during the times when it's open, going to the market and getting my produce and my vegetables from local farmers and stuff and not getting it when it's wrapped in a plastic container mm-hmm. and when it's you know, all that sort of stuff, um, has been amazing for me. I've cut I don't know exactly, you know, the weight of the amount of trash that I haven't made since I've been making the conscious effort to be l- less wasteful, but it's been massive. Same. Once you, th- once you think about it, when you think everything that you take from a store, you know, if you think about it first, you'll know, like, you'll, you could probably see how much yeah. you reduce from that. So let me make this point, too. I don't know if you guys do your own grocery shopping. I'm sure you, yeah. you all do. But... Um, if you shop at Aldi's, they don't even, so they have like the lowest prices around, right? In, in a lot of cases, right? They have really, really low prices. And part of that is that they don't have the overhead of giving you bags. You have to bring your own bags, yep. right? They don't even offer it. So the produce is cheaper because they don't have to get you the bags. They don't have to get the infrastructure to have the bags spinning next to the cashier. All that sort of stuff results in a cheaper product for the consumer, among other things that they do. Imagine Wegmans doing that. Well, that's kind of what I'm getting at, right? Is if we start pushing towards less waste, right? Like more zero waste sort of lifestyle, we'll see stuff actually, when when companies don't have to pay for the packaging or they, they can pay for less packaging, we'll see a cheaper product. Mm-hmm. You know, some of those savings will probably trickle down. Yeah, and to bring up another point is if we're moving towards automation with self-checkout, that's going to even reduce the prices even more. Yeah, I mean, there's there's problems that come with that right. sort of stuff, like the employees that don't no longer have their jobs. <laughs> but but I, I completely agree. <laughs> Didn't I, that. I completely agree. That overhead that's lost, some of that trickles down. What do you think about that, Jose? I think that... In that was a deep sigh. <laughs> ready. <laughs> I think that in order to actually really reduce our waste we just have to show these companies in an attractive way um how they can make more money off of them doing these environmentally friendly um actions it's not really hitting the point on why we should be doing them but like you said we live in a capitalist society and in order like I, we we can't wait for these corporations to change because they're going to do what we're going to want to do. So in order for them to change, we need to change first and we need to speak out on what we want. Because if we don't, then this cycle is going to continue for many years. Add to your like capitalistic environment, which we're all, I mean, that's the world. Um, Hearing like Yvonne Chouinard from Patagonia, he's the owner of Patagonia, he's talking about and you know Patagonia is like one of the best companies with their products and how you know transparent they are with 
consumers, which we don't know how transparent they are, how and the money great they, they give are. To good right. And- the biggest thing is what, and I talked to one of their uh, designers that came in actually to Skinny House to the, to the shop. He was he was an old designer there that did menswear. He's like, if you know, Yvonne want Yvonne wanted to like clean the environment whole, he wouldn't start a clothing company. But he started the clothing company to to gain capital and awareness mm. to fund you know charities that do that or fund or you know organizations yeah. that do that. So That's it sucks because like you know it sucks because like we're and you would do that too. You sell a product. I wouldn't we're say it's a super limited. It, do, it doesn't D, suck. It, it, it just it's, it's the game. Yeah, it's the game, and you got to. You have to play it the right way. You, you got to give back though, you know, and you got to give back to the but right people that that will help the environment. What if they made a product that was environment? environmentally it's, conscious it's never environmentally conscious i can it's make never. a shirt i can make a t-shirt no i'm saying just like change right. up the game completely oh you're saying you, you want to think about the clothing yeah to think about with. the the factory the factory can be completely um green with reusing the water solar panels wind energy there's still a point where there's there's not a sustainable route there whether it be the shipment cost whether it be by boat or by plane to the other factory that's holding it or the shipment cost to the consumer that's buying it online there's some aspect in every company that there's there's not a sustainable thing there you know since you're in the space sorry to cut you off no absolutely um but since you're in the space like what is the most sustainable piece of clothing since Um, you are actively it would be organic cotton and then undyed organic cotton and you're also doing plastic yeah but i'm i'm using tea residue to dye shirts now oh that's which is really cool so it's not the chemicals that go into it but Mm. i mean i I, you know what i would take that back bamboo is the best Mm -hmm. um crop to me yeah yeah so bamboo's the the life cycle to restart to regenerate it's it's quick less water than cotton you can use the whole stock actually hemp too is really good too you can use all of all of the hemp mm-hmm. plant to make, too. Yeah, to make clothes. So there's definitely options other than cotton, other than polyester. Polyester is the worst, even if it's recyclable. Mm-hmm. You think it, really? it's, Yeah, I mean, so it's the, the process involved. There's an, It's great because you're taking plastic out of the environment, but at the same time, there's another process. There's another step that's involved that, ta- that, that makes it recycled polyester. You know, it's a, it's, oh. it's, a health, it's a healthier alternative, but it's still synthetic fiber. So... You're saying if somebody has the option between recycled polyester and just polyester, always go recycled. But if sure. they have an option between a shirt that was made from recycled bottles or organic bamboo, cotton, hemp, which which will be should, hard to find, they you should know? go that way. Yeah, really. Um, because, but also it's 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 hard, man. Because like <laughs> you can't have a completely green product. There's a print that goes on the shirt, and you know, yeah, no, with I the know. heat involved. If, yeah. And even like the, it's not the chemicals, but the fumes. Remember, you had to, you have yep. to retrofit that whole thing with printing, uh, the dyeing of the shirt. You know, there's a synthetic dye or a chemical that goes onto it. It's, think, it's crazy. I think the whole idea of this is just not to be extremist. About right. It. Exactly. The whole idea is we have to take it step by step, mm-hmm. and when we take it step by step, we're going to make a lot more progress than ultimately just saying. I'm going to completely stop doing this. Yeah. Because once you say, I'm going to completely stop doing this, you're more receptive to give up on why you're doing it in the first place. And it, yeah, it's holding the, 
the people that don't buy into that certain lifestyle or don't um, or companies that don't use regenerated stuff holds them accountable and say why like why aren't you doing this everyone's doing it there's a consumer base that wants it why aren't you like first it always comes down for me it always comes down to the people selling it like why aren't your people getting paid right why are they in an environment where they're hemmed in sewing things um you know it holds those people accountable and you're right you 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 extremists you know so so go with the company that is at least being more transparent that's using those um products whether it be a vegan company whether it be a clothing company, whether it be a bottle company or whatever, go with them that are, they're at least aware and you can tell that they're genuine about it because you can, everyone's, a customer can smell bullshit a mile away mm-hmm. and, um, you know, go from there, you know? Yeah. So. Lots of, a lot of this I think is hard to manufacture if you don't already support it. Right. Like you yeah. said, it's, it's easy to tell if someone's bullshitting. Yeah. Um, and you know, too, you can't change as humans' life. Sometimes uh, yeah, yeah. Right. the alternatives are better than the originals. Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. There's, um, I think I read the statistic where vegan ice cream is getting a lot more popular than regular ice cream. Right. Uh, like Ben and Jerry's started to do a whole yeah. vegan uh, edition of their ice cream. So And that's a good cool. company, too, and they're, they're transparent. Yeah. I'm, I'm not vegan, but I can't eat ice cream because I'm lactose intolerant. Mm. You know what I mean? So those alternatives... I'll even eat those and feel better about it and feel better, yeah. you know, physically. Yeah, that's the thing because we're we're not supposed to we're we're not baby cows. You know what I mean? We're not mm-hmm. supposed to be drinking that stuff. Milk is milk's for baby terrible cows. for you, yeah, man. Exactly. Milk is so bad. Milk, milk is made for calves. Yeah, not humans. So it's and babies. Yeah, I mean that's why we have the lactose um, enzyme in our stomach, right? Is it's from kids, and that's why some adults can actually digest lactose is that doesn't actually stop getting produced it's meant so that kids can obviously have breast milk and all that sort of stuff the way i look at it is like just put it in our point of view like imagine if we started making ice cream out of like regular human milk like that would be weird you know what i mean like you definitely find that somewhere yeah like that would be (laughs) so weird so it's like why are we doing it with cow milk you know like that's even weirder because it's not a part of our species. I love the meme that shows the first. It's like, who was the first person to actually figure out that you could drink that? I was just going to mm-hmm. say that. Like, who? Yeah. That's How the that thing, thing, though. You can't even drink Like, naturally, you can't drink it because it's very mm-hmm. chunky. And really? there's a, yeah, and there's a layer of fat on the top of uh, milk. I've always heard stories about people drinking milk straight from the cow. You you I'm can sure do it. Possible. You can you can do it, but it's like if it sits, it's a it lot like the milk right? that's out in Wegmans and Tops, whatever. That has been processed, but that has been processed a lot. So the original milk is completely different, just because it's a lot more chunkier and there's a lot more um, fat in it, just because uh, the milk that the cow is producing is giving off a lot of fat. So the milk that we have in our grocery stores. They're all liquid, but it's really not what naturally milk is, which is crazy to me. It's crazy, like how sustainability or minimalism is taken so in like so many different ways. Like yours, you're definitely like more towards the the intake of like food, right? Like Mm -hmm. that's kind of where you were talking about this whole time. Then you were more well rounded around 
like a certain person's lifestyle and I'm like a product driven guy. So it's interesting like where that's people, why you know what I mean? That's exactly why I had you three days. Right. That's exactly why I sent yeah. the invite to all you guys is because you all have a different you two I thought would have a much more similar take. So I didn't do that on purpose. I can't take all the credit for that. But that's exactly why yeah. you're here. That's exactly why you're at the table is because you're doing it in a completely different way. You know right. what I mean? Um, to ask you another question, mm-hmm. I do have brands that listen. I have brand owners that I know and everything. Um, how can brands start to implement a more sustainable, and you have, you've been working on reducing the, um, what was it? It was the distance, carbon footprint, the yeah. carbon footprint distance. Yeah. Yep. Um, how can a brand even start to do that? Well, I mean, without even changing your, you, right? yeah, without even changing your product, I think to, to be more transparent with a customer, um, you know, whether with like how things are being made, you know, you can be transparent with how they're being made. Um, but it's hard. How many, it's how many hard sourcing. Actually, know how their stuff's being made. Like, there's a good amount. Know. You know, you might. I don't know if you. If Listen, you where is a Gildan shirt actually who right, actually but, stitched? A right. So that team? so that would probably be like the average Joe brand is like start with a Gildan shirt, get it printed mm-hmm. in a local shop, yeah. go from there. But when you're talking Holla. clothing, like an actual clothing brand that has retail stores and distribution lines and all that you're check you're vetting your factories you have to mm-hmm. um because you need to know that they have that capacity in their in their factories that can hold your minute your your orders and all that um but you know it just it, it depends on where your business is at how have you started bringing manufacturing back into the states so you it's have always some... been there man okay so then explain that because typically Manufacturing in the United States, I'm not even going to say typically, pretty much yeah, always yep. manufacturing in the United States is significantly more expensive yeah. and requires significantly more upfront capital and higher quantities just to pay more per piece. Right. So how are you doing it successfully? I got to be honest, like I, um, you just do a ton of research. Are you just forking over the dough? No, just- yeah, I do a ton of research, but also I'm not using a lot of U.S. factories. But at the same time, I'm doing a ton of research with U.S. factories that I have that are, that are you know, not cheaper, but that don't nickel and dime you on every single step. Because factories are hard to come by. They're, they've been here forever, but they're hard to come by now. <clears throat> they're going to nickel and dime you on every step, meaning they're going to, if if you work with a factory in the U.S., more than likely you're going to get a charge of even talking to a, a sales rep. You know, when I'm talking about a, not a guild in, I'm talking about a cut and sew factory that sources their fabric, gets it sewn in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Um, you're going to get charged like up the ass for art fees, this fee, that fee, this fee. Um, without even starting, you're a thousand bucks in the hole and you have a sales sample to sell to retail stores. You know, yeah. one sample. And that's, the hard part is all that information is not actually on the website. You have no, to you got to talk. And yeah, and that's what you're halfway through yeah. the process before you even right. realize how much this thing's. And that's cost. what I do is my biggest thing is research when it comes to uh, factories. Like I love that stuff, um, especially the certifications that factories have too, um, because when, that's you know that's big too. When I was trying to find my first manufacturing, mm-hmm. you know, when I was supposed to, when I was trying to find my first yeah. manufacturer for suburban. 
when Suburban was my main focus. Mm-hmm. Um, I called 25, maybe, yeah. maybe factories. And not only did half the time I get laughed at and hung up on, they would be honest with me and say, all right, well, if you'd like to start, here's how many you need to order and here's how much it'll cost per piece mm-hmm. and here's some of the fees. And I'd, I'd seriously sit there on the phone and I couldn't believe the numbers. Yeah, it's wild. It's like, how, how can anyone do this? Yeah. So I, I think it's really cool that you've actually proven that it is possible because right. it seems so impossible unless you hear that somebody's doing it, right? Um, and also... I think it's really interesting that you're using more sustainable fabrics and trying to push towards that. Yeah. Um, so, I don't know. Kudos. Kudos. <laughs> Thanks, yeah. guys. Did it's you just, it's to, research, man. Did you have to have huge upfront investment? No. I, I, it's I mean, self-funded. That's also oh, okay. relative. That's also extreme. That's a very subjective like question. Like huge investment, yeah, quote unquote. Because you were just talking about $1,000 for a sample, right? Insane. Three Insane. years ago, I couldn't even fathom spending that much money i didn't have that right you know what i mean when i was just getting into manufacturing with suburban i had a thousand dollars for my order mm-hmm. i didn't have a thousand dollars for a sample so, so what, do you, what do you mean by a lot of money to start something like 10 grand yeah well i could see 10 I mean, grand any being... any uh, like individual entrepreneur i feel like a th- thousand, thousand bucks, bucks is a lot, is a lot. You know, <laughs> thousand, especially yeah, out you can't even fathom a, thousand and a lot of this like beginning. minimum order quantity they mm-hmm. want like fucking so many Two, three hundred mm-hmm. pieces just to. Well, I mean, again, it's just you got to find the right factory that works for you. There's factories that work with small brands, and there's because the value to them, if you if you hit it and you're going up, they're gonna they're yeah. the factory that you're working they're with flying. until you know yeah. forever. But I went to New York and I I did all those shows and met with all those factories from all over, and that's how I got you know where I'm at. Okay, so did the plant that you have sourced these um, like reuse our recycled mm-hmm. plastic material did they offer that for you or did you have to source that separately um with my t-shirt uh factory they source that with swimwear that i'm working on and this is crazy like you gotta sourcing is a whole other game too you know um i'm working with a mill in italy that uses this fabric called um aquafil and that fabric is produced in oh god I don't know it's it's definitely not in Italy and um so they have to and it's all produced through um nets taken from the ocean so they wow. there's a whole how is there even enough of that to even there's a ton of nets man really? <laughs> yeah the ghost nets it's like uh, a crippling thing in the ocean they all go they all sink down to the bottom what the hell? and they and they um trap all the you know animals in there uh, because wh- it's not whaling, but big fishing boats just leave them if, or they yeah, get caught or they like stay a, there. It's just you know, really big contraptions yep. where they yeah, they're like big yeah yeah they they put them at the bottom of well not the bottom of the water but close to the bottom of the water, and anything that basically goes in can't come out. So or they'll they drag them. Out, yeah, mm, and like the thing about that, like not to go off topic, but mm-hmm. the thing about that is that most of the time you're not catching what you want you might catch a dolphin you might catch even um some sharks you know what i mean when you're ultimately looking for maybe just a regular like tuna or like a swordfish you know what i mean or something but that's why it's very inefficient that kind of way that we um fish for our food as well so yeah it's 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 crazy but the good thing is it's getting used 
to you know give give something new life you know exactly yeah Yeah. so it's really cool yeah the big thing i think is that we just need to start reusing more i agree 100 percent. we really need to put a big focus on um reusing things and like you guys were talking about what's a the best way to create or get your clothes in a sustainable way and that's going just, to the thrift store, right? Exactly. Yeah, going to the know, thrift store. Like, what's the best way Second. to reduce your carbon footprint when it comes to clothes? Um, not ordering anything in the <laughs> first agree. place. You know what I mean? Yeah. And just getting stuff that's already been made. Mm-hmm. You know, but as an online business, which I am, is hard. You know? Yeah, it so is now, So now you want someone to buy your product. Now you think about the packaging. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you, you always got to think, well, what I, what I, you know, stand for is there's maybe a shirt's not fully sustainable but the things that go into it maybe the packaging like if you're using a instead of a poly bag you're using a paper anything bag helps. right anything helps so like yeah i want someone to buy my stuff online yeah. you know what i mean yeah. but I, it's and also it's weird tell me tell me this i've heard that not selecting super fast shipping is more efficient because one day shipping is like the worst thing ever or like same day shipping from Amazon. I believe it's because a lot of the trucks that are used to do one day shipping are half full, as yeah. opposed to trucks that can be yeah. filled with multiple day shipping, um, just because of the speed they need to get it to you. It's inefficient. Yeah, it's just yeah. not efficient yet, and maybe that's something that changes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But right now, one day, two day shipping is extremely inefficient as as far as emissions go. I believe, and I know oh, I'm, I'm with you on that. Okay, yeah. I'm definitely uninformed. On shipping this in general is bad, but when you when you yeah, because you don't faster shipping right. is worse because it's an option. If it wasn't an option, and so, and in the whole industry was one day shipping, well, as a consumer, I don't what, know. I'm, what I'm trying to get at is, as a consumer, yep. if we so if we have to buy something online, and you can wait, selecting. Sh- slower shipping is mm-hmm. i believe and i'm not well yeah because you get, you get a whole shipment yeah. of uh the, the trucks full you know okay so yeah i'm with you on that i think in order to really change the mindset that we all have of um in reducing what waste we really give out into this world is um really trying to eliminate the conception of use it once and then throw it away right also, give something to life. Exactly. And with bottles. How do you yeah. do that with bottles, man? You I guess shirts. Yeah. Use a plastic bottle. Yeah. 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 I, I, mean, I Patagonia. I have a couple Patagonia shirts. I have like almost says like three bottles have been used yeah. in this shirt. So mm-hmm. it's like we can do it. It's just we need to expose people to this information more. And once you give people the education that they uh, should have and expose the alternatives and make the alternatives a lot more accessible then you'll see that the change in demand is will be mm-hmm. bound to change yeah, yeah i'm with you cool. at the end of the day there's people that don't care about that shit either yeah. which sucks but the, and you and can't change them at the same time right? there might be ceos that do care right they're in a clothing company and like young and reckless for instance like drama mm-hmm. he might be interested in wanting to be more sustainable but he's already created the system where he's selling 100% cotton t-shirts and for him to cut prices it might cause him to have to like get rid of some employees so it's know, like man. cost and reward right I don't so. agree with that because all the money that they're making they can go it can go into research and development right. to kind of but there's also like I'm down, not in support but, of you know, it but right. like but there's also just thinking again, in terms of their perspective yeah. there is a board there is investors yeah. they require a certain ROI 
Mm-hmm. So at the end of the day, even if employees aren't being cut, if investors, and again, even if drama, right, wants to make a change at Young and Reckless. It's got a whole team that has to Exactly, there's, there's a much bigger background. The CEO yep. is just the the guy that everybody yeah. points at. And He's, he might be in support of it and want to voice that 100%. concern because he has the media company to do it, but that puts him in a very vulnerable situation now. Yeah. But that's good, though, to have that because now there's people like you and me that are in that space that want to have, that can compete with them and keep those guys accountable, you know? Mm-hmm. Definitely. So there's, I mean, you need, I, again, those, ba- you need those bad people to push the good stuff out, you know? What? My, you need those bad companies to create change to push better things out. You know what I mean? Do you agree with that? Well, I think there's that just a shift. I think it's just like the traditional business model, and then we're now seeing millennial generational yeah, shift, could be. and then we're rising through the woodworks yeah. to then being at a point where we can compete with what's already been established. Right. Mm-hmm. And, All right. So I want to know. Sorry, I should probably get this a little bit closer. I want to know what content you guys should recommend to somebody who's interested in the topic, whether it be websites, movies, videos, podcasts, anything that you guys think that you learn from in these topics that you tell somebody to go check out. Mine would be the Reddit Zero Waste. I love it. It's just a way to live a more self-sufficient lifestyle with less waste, um, and it saves you a ton of money. So... Go check that out. I think you should check out um, Cowspiracy on Netflix, which is a really good documentary that really, yeah, really shows you. um, What was it? Cowspiracy. House. Cow. Cowspiracy. (laughs) Okay. All right. So it really that really exposes a lot of the ways that um, animals are being treated, and also shows you ways that it's really unsustainable the way that we get our food and it also has several uh, documentary it has several interviews sorry with uh, different kinds of people from up to environmental nonprofit organizations to uh, members who are a part of the meat industry so in that documentary it really um, puts things into perspective because there's a lot of numbers and um, there's a lot of uh, commentary on why these companies are still basically following traditional ways. Uh, when I made my change to become vegetarian, striving towards vegan, uh, I didn't really, I didn't watch all these documentaries out there on Netflix um, to have that like emotional change. I did it because I'm coming from the background of yoga and reading more into the philosophy of that, that's what ultimately made me want to change as as well as like the nutritional aspect. Um, Aside from environmental conservation and vegan, um, a good Netflix special is called Minimalism. Uh, It's just these two guys talking about the philosophy of minimalism and ways to incorporate it into your lifestyle. They're definitely more on the extremist side, but um, yeah, you don't have to take their full advice, just take bits and pieces and figure out how it works best for you. Um, that goes with any advice out there. Don't right. take it wholeheartedly. Yeah, do your own research, right? 100%. Um, I don't really have like a platform. I think if you wanted to find companies that are are working with charitable organizations, um, 
I would go on 1%fortheplanet.com and you can kind of go on the whole list there that have companies that um, give 1% of their profits to, to you know, grassroots organizations and all that stuff. So we're hopefully going to be a part of that, but just, you know, yeah. down the road. No, absolutely. Is there anything, is there anything that you guys want to, want to leave everybody with? Any comments, any ideas, anything that we haven't touched on? Because we can keep going. I had this one, like, quote, um, which I don't know if it's going to, like, end it, but I guess, one, like, leave the leave the earth cleaner than how you found it. If you kind of think of it that way, maybe, as a consumer, you might change your mentality. Definitely. You know, that'd be a quote if you want to keep it. <laughs> if I were to tell anyone to do anything, it would be ask yourself why you're doing what you're doing mm. and be more reflective and... I think that'll help you unlock your own higher consciousness. Um, if I have anything to say, um, if I have anything to take out of this whole conversation is, and if anything I want you to take out of this conversation is that just step out of your comfort zone and try something new for a change and see if that really, see if, it's really all that bad if the change that you make that you, that you make is actually bad or if you keep going it's actually good for you and then you'll that will be another way to step into a different area of uh, doing new things so that'll push you to do even more new things I love it awesome is there anything else Thanks, Rob. Thank you, Thank you Rob. Boom. <laughs> so this has been uh, this has been free coffee for almost two and a oh, half man. hours. This has been sick, guys. Thank you all so much. Thanks for, for having doing this. Me. I really appreciate the time. Um, until next time, I hope if you guys stuck with us for this long, you guys will. Oh, the last thing, I want you guys. If you guys are still here, check these boys out. Plug yourself. Plug your Instagram. Uh, no way, Jose. Um, <laughs> five E's at the end, all lowercase. Um, and yeah, um, I'm really into photography, and uh, you also see a lot of my uh, nature rants on my stories as well. <laughs> but yeah, check me out if if you'd like. Oh, Don't check out my personal account. <laughs> never on it, dude. I DM this guy about <laughs> this for two weeks. He didn't get back to me. <laughs> I think my last post was back in like September of 2018. Uh, but I'm mostly spending my days on Boho Hobo, Boho underscore Hobo um, on Instagram. And just go to that platform and you're going to be able to find all the other stuff. Check out Bindalism if you're into podcasts. Oh, yeah. Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Bindalism, a philosophy to a self-sufficient lifestyle. <laughs> Love that, man. Uh, you want to talk about a religion. C yeah. Sea uh, culture brand. So that's on everything. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Website awesome. and all that. We got a store in Skinny Alice if you want to come on by too. It's an awesome spot. Yeah. Guys, thank you so much. This has been free coffee episode. Who knows what? <laughs> um, until next time, thank you for hanging out with us, and I hope you guys got some value from this. I'll see you guys in the next one. Peace. Peace.